Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz are back at it tonight at home against the Clippers. Jazz going for their eighth straight win. PK talked about it uh, probably three, maybe four weeks ago, about this is a team that is capable of going on a hot streak and winning 17 out of 20 games. They've won seven in a row now. And they got a half dozen games to play between tonight and Christmas night, and then they hit the road uh, after Christmas for a couple games. But it's an intriguing stretch here. Is this the run? It's not out of the realm. They went 20 out of 21 last year. And with Rudy Gay and Hassan Whiteside, you can argue the bench is better this year than last year. I think you can argue it, and I think you can win the argument. Now they got to do it. So at this point, it's still hypothetical and conjecture. But I think we've seen enough from these two guys that that's how I expect it to play out. Now, you have injuries, you lose guys, either you lose bench guys or maybe starters get sidelined and bench guys become the starters, and now maybe the bench isn't as good. And I I think we did see that while Rudy Gay was out. So, and and Mike Conley was out, and then that forces someone, usually Joe, into the starting lineup. And so on those nights, now... The four bench guys are suddenly the two bench guys, and other guys have to play. And Pascal does some good things, but he's not at the level we've seen Rudy Gay at. I, I think you got to be pleasantly surprised. I don't know what you expected out of Rudy Gay. You are either getting everything you expected, or for those of you who had lower expectations, you're getting more than you expected. Uh, but I don't think anybody can th- say realistically they're getting shortchanged, unless you say I, I really thought he'd be healthy for the first ten games of the year. But you said that aside. Uh, since he's played, man, he's been good. And he's a good interview, too. Here is Rudy Gay m- meeting with the media on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Is that a focus, and especially you know, with the rebounding help this team can have at times down low? I mean, what's, what's your thought on that part of the game? Uh, you know, I think uh, just opportunity. You know, um, you know, we're a possession team. You know, the more possessions we get, the better we are. We are. Um, Offensively, you know, and defensively, just you know, defensive rebounds, just try to end the possession at the end of the day. So, you know, that's one one way also to you know insert myself into the game. In what ways is Quinn unique from other coaches? Um, you mean it's, it's fewer ways he's like any other coach. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, he's different. He 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 um, encourages us a different way. Um, Although, you know, this is my first year, but guys have been here. So, um, you know, he's different with, with it as far as, uh, you know, preparation for games. Um, he's passionate. He wants it. He wants to win. Um, and that makes us want to win for him. He said after the end of the Wizards game that he felt like the Jazz were a better team than they had been when the trip started. Where mm-hmm. have you kind of seen that manifest the most? I agree. Um you know, we've had some adversity. We had Hassan go out for two games. And, uh, you know, I, as you know, defensively, we're a big man dominant team. And we still came out and, and, and be able to win in that second unit. Um, you know, offensively, I felt like it was the ball was moving, we were flowing. Um, and uh, these were some good teams, you know, a couple teams that, you know, Cleveland is a really good team this year. Um, and other other teams, uh, Philly, I, Donovan said he's never won in Philly. Um, you know, Minnesota's always been tough for this team. So, you know, this is a big a big test for us um, as far as growth. So um, I think that's what the coach meant by that. How difficult is it to kind of switch to that, like, I guess, switching defense versus just having a big man there? Um, is it, is it, yeah, I mean, 
It's strategy, you know. Um, I think that's the one thing about being a basketball player, especially on this team, you got to be flexible, be ready for it. And any winning team, you know, be prepared for whatever comes your way. And, you know, it was just one of those tests for us. JJ Redick had Joe Ingles on his podcast and said something like 90% of NBA players aren't happy with the role they're playing. Like, they would prefer to either have the ball more or be doing something differently. You seem to really embrace just the, like, you will take whatever role you need. Was there a turning point in your career where that happened? <laughs> Injuries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Injuries. Um, you know, I, you, like, you just, you know, 90% of, of players aren't happy with them, but I say the other 10 are realistic. Realistic about, you know, where they're at in their career and what they can give to a team. So, um, you know, this is a league full of the best players in the world. A lot of international players, they go back to their international uh, teams and, you know, they're that, they're that guy. They go back to their country, they're that guy. People are from America, they go back to their city, they're that guy. They play in their little pro-ams and stuff. People come to see them. So, of course, people expect more. But, you know, I think um, the, the team with the most guys that are realistic about, you know, how the team makeup is, that's the, that's the teams that are most successful. You were kind of that guy coming out of high school, though, right? I mean, you were top recruit. You still had I mean, a uh, lottery pick. Yeah, but everybody, you everybody was. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went two, two years, two years of college, right? yeah. So, like... Everything changed for you probably versus what you expected. Yeah, I mean, school, right? like I, like for me, like I said, you know, early in my career, up until, like I said before, San Antonio pretty much had the ball in my hands for most of the game. But, you know, if you want to stick around and be here, I don't know too many people from my draft that are still in the NBA. You know, longevity, you got you to gotta be able to, you know, form the different roles, be able to do different things. And a lot of that is being realistic with yourself and also, you know, how you want to assert yourself on the team. You know, you I don't ever want to compete with anybody on my team. I know I'm, I know what I can do. I know what I can bring, and I'm gonna be the best at that. So, did you kind of come up, come to be realistic yourself, or did someone kind of sit you down and help? Nah, you? it's me. You know, <laughs> the kind of injuries I had. Like, of course, it's gonna take you back a step. But you know, I'm also 35 years old. At this point, I just want to win and be a part of a winning winning culture. If that's not the case, I take my ass home. This is. I have two kids that I can raise. It's way, it's way funner than going to work every day, I'll tell you that. <laughs> Are there guys from your draft class still in the league? Like guys you worked out against, do you remember? Just maybe, maybe I'd say Kyle, because we got drafted together, Kyle Lowry. LaMarcus Aldridge, yeah. you know, who's had his troubles, but he's, he's back. Thank God. Um, P.J. Tucker. Ray John Rondo. Class. That's it. Class. Better high school class. Paul Millsap. Just the job. Oh, yeah, Paul, yeah. Paul. Yeah, not too many. Not too many. Got to reinvent yourself every year, man. It's a draft every year. Got to give a team something. Is that is this a difficult adjustment, like being realistic with yourself or a talk with yourself? Because, I mean, some players might have a tough time doing that. For you, was it tough to have that talk with yourself or no? No, I mean, yeah. do I think I can do more on this team? Probably, but, you know, we're already good. Why do I have to, <laughs> why do I have to kill myself every night? I just want to contribute. <laughs> that's, that's, I, don't, I don't get paid enough to do that. <laughs> I don't think my body could take it either, to be honest with you. Uh, so in the Wizards game, we saw JC, especially in the second half, kind of take on a little bit more of a playmaker role. And he talked about mm -hmm. afterwards about how, you know, 
he talks to so many coaches who tell him we're not letting you get off tonight that that's become something that he's decided like can be a fun thing for him figuring out how to get other guys involved have you seen him kind of evolve that way? I mean, it's just like just like what I just talked about. It's, you know, as you grow in your career, you pick up different things, and nobody's going to let you go out there and try to get 30 every night. This is the NBA. It's full of, like I said, the best players in the world, best defenders, everything. And, um, you know, JC's a great player, and he's he's way – he's not a one-dimensional player at all. It's just, you know, the role he assumed here was to score. And, you know, now that people are, are, are zoning in on that, he has to do something different, and he's being pretty good at it. When it comes to reinventing, like just at players in general, how long do you need to practice something before you're ready to do it in a game? I think it's just more. Um, at that point, it's more. It's more just reaction. Just reaction. Um, you know, sometimes people. Sometimes you know they have guys that are too one-dimensional, and once you take that away from them, they're just there's nothing they can do. Um, but those people that grow, and I and I talk to Donovan about that all the time because he, you know, just, you know, sky's the limit for him, and he can do so many different things. And um, you know, he has to, and he's getting, he's starting to get to a point where it's like I can, I can change this game in different ways, you know, other than scoring. And um, I think that's also what JC is starting to do. And, and this is, if I'm Coach Quinn, I'm I'm happy. I'm going to sleep happy because. You know, that's what we want from them. There is Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay, the Jazz, hosting the Clippers tonight. Spurs and Wizards back-to-back at home on Friday and Saturday. So three games in the next four days after having three ga- three days off. We'll see how this works out. The way they've been blowing teams out, the way they've been close, or maybe having a little bit of a lead at halftime, then just really open it up in the third quarter. And by the middle of the fourth quarter, you know, the they're going to the bench, which I think is big for guys like Mike Conley because normally – you know, he'd get five or six minutes of action at the end of the games, but if the game's over and they go to the bench, minutes off him, and now he's playing 24 or 25 minutes, and he seems to be capable to play back-to-backs. So I think uh, how they win tonight, certainly, assuming they win, um, but not just do they win, how do they win tonight, do they win Friday, how do they win Friday. Uh, if they win big and rest guys late, then they can run Conley out Saturday against the Wizards. So, all right, more on the Jazz coming up later in the show. As a matter of fact, more on the Jazz coming up next. Big T, Thurl Bailey, stay with us. DJ PK, it's time to welcome in Big T, Thurl Bailey. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain, state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller, helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial properties, water costs, or call 877-346-3333. Big T, good morning. What's going on? Long time no talk to. Yeah, well, college football is slowing down. The Jazz are picking up steam. People are excited, have high expectations. Now, the last time the Jazz came home for a long stretch of games, things didn't go exactly as we expected. The time before that, things didn't go as expected. I'm looking at the schedule. They had five in a row at home, and they lost to Indiana and Miami. Everybody's disappointed. Came back home. For four in a row, lost the first one to New Orleans. Now, since then, they've won seven in a row. They swept a road trip and looked good. I think a lot of Jazz fans are thinking, this is going to get great because they're going to play six in a row at home between now and Christmas. Is it really going to get great? Or like the last two home stands, is there going to be a step backwards? What are you thinking? What's the vibe? How are you feeling? Where are you getting at, DJ? Where are you getting at, man? Are they better on the road than they are at home? They come home and think it's going to be too easy, and then it's not. Yeah, there's always that. 
um, I, you know, as much as I've been around this team and basketball itself, and there's no guarantees, obviously, but there is something to um, noticing a, a change, a difference. You know, I, I think when you talk about the streak, I'm not sure you you get that streak. I don't know if my expectations were they were going to come out of the block and just beat everybody. Um, but they struggled early on, right? They won some games, but, you know, they struggled with games, I think, you know, on paper at least, they, they probably should have won. But I don't think they get to where they are now without realizing what they needed to do. And I think that switch was really flipped after that second New Orleans Pelicans game um, when, you know, they talked about it. Donovan stepped up as a leader and talked about what he needed to do to change, how the team needed to to be better defensively and, and offensively. The shots would fall if they can create enough of them. Um, but defensively, they were just lacking in, in, in what they needed to do to keep other teams from, from going on those runs. So, you know, I, I don't think I, – I think they'll have times when they'll struggle again. But I think consciously now this team has really – something's really happened collectively um, that they're just playing well. And you can play well and lose, but if this Jazz team with all the weapons they have and, uh, and you know, two great, two really good rim protectors, um, you know, I, I think you'll see a different Jazz team than you saw, you know, on that, that home, home, that first home return. It is the holiday season, Mr. Bailey. Hey, so- PK. <laughs> 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 so, what I would like to see, I think this would be way cool, because, you know, basketball is entertainment, right? You've got this deep, just beautiful voice. Oh, so, there you go. So, in the next game, you just broadcast it and act like you're the voice from uh, Mr. Grinch. You're a mean one. That one? <laughs> <laughs> That's the one you're talking about? People would just roll over laughing. <laughs> I think that's your favorite song. <laughs> and, you know, I looked it up. Who you, you know, I don't know if you know this. I do know it. The vocalist? Thurl Ravenscroft. Yeah, he's named Thurl. Come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, the voice of Tony the Tiger. They're great. Remember him? Yeah, of course, yes. And you knew it. You already knew that he, you shared the same first name, and that's the only two guys on the planet that I know have that name. Come yeah. on. You were made for this. you got to drop it at some point in this holiday season. You know you do. You might be right <laughs> when nobody's expecting it. <laughs> Maybe when a ref makes a bad call. Well, you're going to be broadcasting the game on Christmas night. Yeah, you know, I I don't like a call a ref makes. Yeah. You're a mean one. <laughs> <laughs> that would be perfect. I am so on board with this. I am co-signing this 100%. I give this 10 hot dogs out of 10. <laughs> yes, I mean, you were oh, built man. for this, man. That would be awesome. God blessed you with this amazing voice. And, I mean, you're a dead ringer for it, and you share the same first name. I mean, that's incredible. You were meant to do this. Doesn't get any better than that. No. You got to tell Travis (laughs) if there's a foul, 
I will I will tee you up because he's going to need a cue. Tee up tee. Exactly. exactly. And you'll say, you'll let your voice get real high like you did when you said, hey, BK, and cracked us up. And you'll say, a foul, and Travis will cut to a tight shot of the referee, and then you'll drop the you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch, which I'm not going to do because it'll Don't pale in comparison it's to you. It's probably yours. better if a, if a player, it's, if one of the Jazz players gets a technical foul. Okay. I know we can't we can't bank on that, but. Well, ask Joe to play along. He'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) Joe gets that it's entertainment. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Last week we had a Mike Smith, and I told him to work in that. You know that singer from Hawaii that the the guy was the obese guy? Israel was his first name, and he had that Hawaiian last name. And I told him on the postgame show, I said, work it in and get Alema to say it because Alema can say the name. And it's so cool in his Hawaiian accent, the way he says that guy's name. The guy's a beautiful singer. And he, uh, Mike said, yeah, okay. I said, well, how can I do it? I just say, come on. Mitchell's been in a phenomenal streak. Just say his jump shot now is as pure as that Hawaiian <laughs> singer's name. And he did it. He did it. He did it the other night. And they've been winning. So, of course, you can joke around and have fun when you win. We in the media have learned never joke around when the team is losing. That doesn't work. But when the team is winning, have fun with it. And so he dropped and he got a lemon to say the name. So now my mission is to get for you in this holiday season to drop the Mr. Grinch voice. And I, I just think that You're it's selling it. Yeah, selling. it's entertainment, and the fans will love it. The listeners will love it, I promise you. <laughs> and you may, they may even throw it on SportsCenter or something. <laughs> so, oh, man. Now, with that now, in mind. We haven't talked in a while. <laughs> now we can get back to basketball. All right. <laughs> I mean, I can, I can drop a basketball question, too. I, I don't know how much players look at standings. But after that, you already referenced that that New Orleans loss, and that Graham hit a phenomenal shot. Good for him. So be it. Uh, but I'm wondering, the team knew that. Okay, we got to get we got to get get going here. How much do you think the fact that I mean, they unto themselves they know they got to get going, irrespective of what's going on. But we see the two teams at the top pulling away a little bit, and maybe the Jazz are thinking, hey, we don't want these guys to get too far ahead of us here. We want to be you know seven eight games back. Uh, so do you think that had any incentive beyond what they need to do themselves to make sure Phoenix and Golden State don't get too far ahead? No, no, I, I don't personally. Um, not from what I listen to the coaches say when we talk to coaches and we talk to players. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't want to I – mean, you, you kind of let your play – do the talking for you. I don't know if you, you you don't focus on the standing, especially this early, right? You just go out and you take each game and you win. I know it sounds cliche-ish, but you just, uh, you play your best basketball and you see what happens. And um, I think the Jazz are, are kind of in that groove. They went through a rough patch there for a while. Now they're coming, they're kind of ascending and and clicking and playing well. Um and again, you know they're going to run into some some buzzsaw teams, right? Uh, and 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 teams that are just fighting to survive a play to be a play-in team or or what have you. But no, I think the short answer to your question is no. I, I don't think they they look at the standings and say, "Wow, we can't let these guys get too far ahead." That that's a given almost. 
right? When you lose games, you you know you don't watch the standings every day to see how far you're dropping. You just try to go out and win the next game and and uh, do what you can do. Worry about what you can control. So Rudy Gay is impressing us, not so much with the play on the court, although he is impressing us with that. But it, I think a more expected. Uh, maybe how quickly and how well he's fitting, a little bit of surprise there. But we listen to interviews with the Jazz, and we just don't listen to guys be interviewed that often with other teams. And I'm hearing him drop nuggets. And I'm and I, maybe you know Thurl. I don't. Maybe he was like this, you know, in his early 20s. Um, but if he's anything like most of us, you know, we're different at 32 than we are at 22. And and PK was just, PK and Jake were talking about a, a line he just dropped and how impressive it was. And like a week before that, he was asked about fitting in with the Jazz, and he answered the question not by answering it, but he gave a great answer. He says, "Well, coach has a plan." And when he said it, I thought, "Well, he's been by a coach by someone." He sat in the locker room and thought, "This coach doesn't have a plan. <laughs> we are all over the map." You know, he had touched the stove and it had been hot. And so he gets here. Quinn lays out a plan. He says, oh, "Okay, I see what this guy's doing." And I'm just curious. We we worry about how big a team is, how fast a team is, how how well a team shoots the ball. But but how much of the winning equation? is having guys who can sit in the locker room, hear the plan, and think, that plan makes sense. This guy's plan makes sense. Because when he said it, he was answering the question, but it wasn't the way anyone expected him to go. Well, first of all, the plan doesn't work unless you can sell it. <clears throat> right? I mean, I think Quinn Snyder is a, a genius. All the, the, the things that go through his mind and that he's, he's tried to sell these players over the years to get to a championship. Um, and and of course, you know everyone has to buy in. I mean, I, I guess you don't have to buy in, but you know, if if you're looking, if you're really gay, and you know you you've decided to come to this team for whatever reasons that aren't necessarily about money, you want to win, right? And you you know you've seen this team, you've seen how they operate, you've seen. Um, the roles that different players play on the team, and then you see yourself fitting into that. So uh, I think Rudy did all that before he even decided to come here. He knew that there was a plan, it was, and he bought into it. But, um, and now he's, you know, he, now that he's healthy and ready and, and playing, um, he's continually buying into it because he knows what his role is. So, so yeah, I think Rudy's in a place in his. Uh, in his career where he, he gets it, right? He knows that, you know, it's not necessarily about him, but it is about him and the role, important role that he's going to play on this team to try to bring a, a ring to this state. And so, um, you know, when you look at the Jazz teams last year and year before, what's been missing? Uh, I, I think that, that Rudy Gay piece is amazingly a good fit for the Jazz just because of who he is and his experience and his size and his ability to to stretch the three and play the five on occasion and be out there with Rudy and play the four. So, um, yeah, I think he gets it. He knows that there, there's some ingredients here that, that he's a big part of. 
And he's been in this league a long time, as we all know, and he's played well for a long time. So when I look at him and his contributions that he makes, I'm not surprised at all because this is what I expected. So he's delivering on what the anticipation was that he would be able to do. The surprise in the addition column comes to me in the form of Hassan Whiteside. I did not know what to expect. I knew he had some good times in the league, and he's had some down times. I did not know he would be this good, this valuable. How about you? Um, I think it was a question mark. For I think we knew how good he could be. Uh, you know, Obviously, this is up to him. And I think there was there was a learning curve there, as it is with most new guys who come into a system that they've only seen from the exterior. Um, but his ability to to just play basketball now and understand and, uh, and what the Jazz are trying to accomplish um, is showing. I mean, you know, specifically, <clears throat> you know, in the Jazz's last game in in Washington. Um, it, it, just for him to be able to come in, regardless of how many minutes he plays, um, you know, he comes in and is, is an impactful player because he's coming in for a guy who is already a great defender, right? And so now you've got to find your way and your relationship with the guys you're out there on the floor with, pick and roll and all those things. Um, Hassan, is, he's got a lot of ability, and I think he's even going to get better as the season goes on as he learns how to stay in games and, and not get in foul trouble in a short amount of minutes. But, my goodness, what a luxury to have two bigs. That's what I'm excited about because, you know, there was a while that we weren't talking about bigs in the league. We are talking about them being a dinosaur and playing small ball for everybody, right? So, you know, it's just refreshing to have two guys who are impacting the game kind of in an old-school way, but – but doing that thing to, you know, to, to bring, again, get the ultimate goal here, but just bring a championship. So that's some good pieces there with, with obviously two really good bigs. All right, Thoreau, we could talk to you all day long. We could also listen to you sing about the Grinch all day long. <laughs> I suspect you have more to do than just chat with us, but we'll have you back on the show, and we'll see if the Jazz have piled up a bunch more wins before then. All right, guys. Big T, we appreciate it. Thank you. Anytime. All right. Bye-bye. There is Big T Thurl Bailey. Coming up next, we're going to switch to college football. Later this morning, we got Riley Riley Jensen on, our college football insider, and former BYU AD Rondo Felberg will be here. And we will talk with Rondo about BYU to the Big 12 and BYU's commitment to Kalani and how much things have changed over the last 25 years. So look forward to that coming up. Uh, Coming up next, we're going to talk BYU football with Dylan Colley. Right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone, the former BYU wide receiver joins us next. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Dylan Cauley, former BYU wide receiver. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain's state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. Dylan, good morning. Morning, fellas. How are we doing? We are doing well. How are you? Doing well. Just getting ready for uh, the old Christmas season. Yep. I'm curious, since you were speaking of the Christmas season, you know, the bowl season um, used to be, I don't think it used to start right back in the day until like December 27th or whatever. The holiday bowl is way early. Uh, and then it's 
just basically become TV programming. So as soon as Army-Navy is done, gear up, here comes the bowl season. As an athlete, and you were in Hawaii, and they've had to play Christmas Eve and Christmas Day Hawaii Bowls. I'm wondering how bad that is. I'm wondering when you have to play in one of these early bowls and they clearly don't have as much status, but you're done and free for Christmas and New Year's. Players can go home. Coaches can hang out with their families. It's a recruiting dead period. How nice is that, and how much do you like to play in a December 29 or 30 bowl game because that's when the bowl season really heats up and, and better games and ranked teams tend to play? How do you rank all that stuff? What, what matters to players? Yeah, Um I think the biggest the biggest thing is actually playing in a bowl game, right, and having that opportunity. You know, as many sponsors as there are right now, and the amount of bowl games that there are. Um, granted, like they're definitely diluted, and there's definitely a lot of games that are washed out. But um, it still is a great experience, no matter the game that you play in. To just be able to go and hang out with your teammates in a much you know more loose environment. Um, like to me, outside of and, and obviously growing up with the bowl experience, right, and then playing in a couple, um, you know, one if you're not playing in the New Year's Six Bowl, if you're not playing obviously at the time, and it'd be to be able to be done prior to Christmas is definitely the way to go. Um, and outside of like when you look at bowl games that you want to go to, right? Cause Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve was kind of difficult. It wasn't phenomenal, especially when you're living in Hawaii, right? Um, you want to be able to get home to your family, but for everybody else, like the people that were coming out to play on the Island, like that's a, that's a prime time game. You get a full in Hawaii, right? You get four or five days in Hawaii. And then the game is done you know, by seven or eight. And if your team charters, like you're back home, you know, Christmas morning, and then you have all of Christmas break, uh, to be with your family and friends. And so, you know, that's, uh, a lot of fun. Um, but the two, and then maybe even outside of the white bowl, but the other bowl games that you want to go to are one of the games in San Diego and one of the games in Vegas. Um, if you can go to the Vegas Bowl, the Vegas Bowl is hands down the best bowl experience when it comes to outside of the, the NY6. Like, no questions asked. Cool. Good to know. I'm sure you're well aware of the big announcement last week. Uh, I mean, players go to schools and they want to compete at the highest level. And uh, you, I don't know that BYU is necessarily going to make a financial commitment at the highest level. Probably not. We don't know all the details, but it's clear to us that they are making a bigger, better commitment, which I think can pay untold dividends. It may not pay dividends for the second generation of Collies, but I'm expecting, you know, in 10 years or so, maybe 15 to third generation of Collies running around at BYU. And uh, with that in mind... um, your reaction to BYU up in the ante because Tom said that literally we knew we had to up the ante as far as uh, funding the football program. Yeah. And that's something that we've, we've talked about, right? Like they had to make some sort of match or increase to um, really level up to be a part and to be a serious kind of competitor in the big 12, like they want to be. 
the first thing you had to do was pay the coaches and, and pay the support staff and increase resources. And you had to take yourself to that next level. It's like you've been in an office space, right? That uh, in, you know, uh, in a business park, and you're now in a situation where you need to be in a bigger market city and you need to buy a building. And so um, from the sounds of it, right, uh, Tom bought the building and he put his eggs in that basket. And I genuinely believe that it's the best decision for BYU and the position that they're in and what they're going into. Um, there isn't a, a better guy for the situation right now than Kalani Sataki. Um, and I genuinely believe that what happens over the next, you know, six, seven years will be game changing and put BYU in a position to, you know, compete for opportunities to play in the Big 12 championship, right? To be in the playoff picture, um, and, and to be right where BYU's, you know, kind of wanted to be for so long and talked about being for so long, uh, you know, all the actions are finally being being put into place to make that happen. I thought if there was anything encouraging in that, it was that Tom said, you know, they're going to keep looking. If they need to adjust, they will adjust. Because when you look at what the top of the uh, Big 12 has been paying, and you can set aside Oklahoma and Texas because they're leaving, but TCU was paying right. $6.1 million. Now they're, they change coaches, and their new coach isn't getting that. He's probably at about four and a half, which is still the top of the league. That seems like it's further than BYU would want to go, but also that seems where college football is going. And I thought when Tom said, we're going to keep track of it, and if we need to adjust, we'll make adjustments, I thought that was encouraging because even though they've gone in deeper in the pool than they've ever been, they didn't go all the way to the deep end, it seems clear, but it seems like they know if they're going to be in the Big 12, they need to be good in the Big 12 and do what that takes. And I think a lot of that shows what BYU and what the relationship that Kalani has with BYU and the school is to him, how important the program is to him. This isn't just a, uh, you know, this is a, this is a legacy move. And what he's doing to be able to say, hey, guys, like, I don't expect you to pay the top, top dollar, right, for what I've done. But let's keep an open mind. I'm willing, right, and open to have those conversations for the adjustments um, and Tom being, you know, very willing and wanting to do those things. Like this is, you're in a good situation when, when you have two guys like Tom and Kalani um, in negotiations, uh, to be honest with you, knowing both of them very well and personally, and, you know, growing up with, with Tom, um, as him and my dad were teammates at BYU and good friends for a very long time. Like I, I, don't imagine that those conversations uh, in those coming weeks to that decision being made, there wasn't a lot of uh, spice or banter um, in regards to money. It was genuinely two people getting together and talking about what was best for BYU and putting in them in the best position to win. And part of that is delivering a certain amount of money. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Obviously, recruiting is the critical component to get good players. I'm wondering, based on your experience and your brothers and even probably your father, you know, how much of a difference this will make in recruiting. And my question for you is, how many of the guys that you think, and I, I can't pinpoint exactly, but I'll ask you generally speaking, the guys who go to BYU, how many of you do you think wanted to go to BYU and were intent on going to BYU 
even if they didn't have all the bells and whistles, because BYU is where they wanted to be. Could you put a percentage on that? Mm. With the top, like with the top athletes, with the guys with multiple offers, right? Uh, the guys who genuinely just wanted to be at BYU for what BYU is, is maybe 20%, maybe 25%. That low, huh? Yeah. Uh, I think, I think the bells and whistles and the culture of the program, right. And where it's headed and the momentum and all of these things, um, you know, it, it does make what a lot of people will say, right. The cultural side of it, it, it kind of washes that out. And before that was kind of a worry for a lot of people. And you look at, for instance, what uh, Jamal Williams setting that pace in the sense of Jamal had, you know, Utah, San Diego state, Boise state at the time, right. And this was in 2011, 2012, when those teams were top tier, you know, that's when (laughs) those teams were kind of, uh, they were in the top 25 every year. They were big programs. And, um, you know, he, genuinely set the tone of was one of the very few guys LBS or not that was you know he loved BYU for BYU and that was probably one of the rarest things that I had ever seen uh, out of any of the teammates that my brothers had that I had or anything like that and so it's a, it's a very very small amount that are just like yep I'm going to BYU just for BYU I think a lot of you fans love the voice you just did that was good. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so how much does the needle move at the other end here? The more they win, how much do more guys, church members or not church members, become available and open to the coaching staff? And how much is the coaching staff just wasting time pursuing guys that are going to come in second on? How much does this really change? Because they're sitting on 21 wins. They could be 22-3 and three over two years if they win this bowl game. Well, they will be if they win the bowl game. Yeah, and... And I, I, it's a game changer. Like this is everything that they're doing is lining up with a team that is entering the big 12 and doesn't just want to say, Hey, let's, okay, we're going to go into the big 12 and we're going to, you know, build out this program and we're going to make adjustments and all of these things that the adjustments that are being made are okay. One, right. We're going in to compete in the big 12 right away. Okay. And then the adjustments are coming if how close are we to winning the Big 12? How close are we to getting ourselves in a playoff picture? Um, you know, those, those elements of it. It's not like, hey, we're just building this program to get ready for the Big 12. The, or while we're in the Big 12, like when this conference enters happens, BYU expects to be competing uh, at the highest level and competing for championships and doing that realistically in order to do that, uh, they're needing to make sure that they have access to these types of athletes. And I think, you know, even over the last two or three years, you're seeing, um, LDS and LDS guys make BYU a priority in their recruiting stops. And I think that they have that great opportunity to be successful because they have a lot to offer when they go into the Big 12. The fan base is incredible, and now we've got the financial commitment. Looks like Kalani will be there and going into basketball. Pope's a dynamic guy and all that stuff. Uh, I'm wondering, uh, do you foresee a situation where 
and they don't necessarily make it public, but they sort of loosen the standards a little bit and not are so persnickety on every little thing. And if you step one inch across that line, we're going to zap you, whatever that line is. You know, obviously, if you go out and commit a crime, the the line, we're not talking about that. But we're just talking about day-to-day stuff that seems like these rules. Well, tell them the pregame shaving story. Yeah, you may even know it. Uh, there was a star player, and this was told to me by somebody who knows exactly what they're talking about, that came in the locker room, a star player, and was told 20 minutes before kickoff, you've got to shave. You can't go out there looking like this 20 minutes before kickoff. Right. <laughs> you know, you're. it's not basketball. You're, you're, you're in a football field with a helmet on, and who cares, you know, what you look like uh, at, and game day, you know? And if you don't want to shave, so be it. Do you, do you see, and, I, and I'm trying to, and i got to be careful here because I'm not saying, well, just become right. of the world and just blow your standards off for the sake of winning. But at the same time, just maybe loosen up a little bit. I once had a coach ask me, just, why can't I just grow my mustache just down a little bit below my mouth? I say, coach, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what the answer is. All I know is it's stupid. And he was a great coach. He's not there anymore. But do you foresee maybe they can loosen it up a little bit? Because uh, I always find it interesting when he goes back for pro day, even the great Taysom Hill, who is the model LDS guy, they have beards because they're finally cut free. <laughs> and they can, they can loosen up a little bit. Do you see that maybe they could do that? Yeah, and, you know, there's and that that is obviously right a, 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 a tough topic right because you do have all these wants and you want to have long hair and you want to have you know a, a full beard if you can do it and you you want all of these things but ultimately and depending on who the coach is right the way that Kalani enables players to choose who they are as people right in giving them um, and ultimately leading by example, right? It is very difficult to not want to be the best version of yourself to represent the school um, and do it in a way that, you know, hey, if that means shaving, if that means keeping your hair short, you know, uh, you're going to do it. And Ultimately, these are all things that you come into the university knowing. Now, to say that it is as cut and dry, right, as, hey, oh, you do that one thing and, or you step over the line and it's all over and it's all said and done, I think that's one of the kind of greatest misconceptions in terms of, and, and this is going to take this a little bit to the next level and maybe not a sports show, but uh, when you understand and you look at the way that, Right, the school is modeled after, and and who owns the school, and you know, being the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, there is a focus on that Christ-like love when looking into these, you know, types of honor code infractions and things like that. And you're given options, and you're given choices. Now, if your boss were to come to you two, and you guys had beards, and your boss said, "Hey, go ahead and shave that, or else we're not going to pay you," right? There are some members of the boosters. Okay, who are donating a plethora of money, who may come in and say, hey, guess what, right? You're going to need to shave that because they're old school and they have a certain way and, you know, they want that old, that old school look. Now, 
in terms of getting in the way of the money, right? If there's a certain standard that your boss wants you to keep, you're going to go and keep that standard, right? Uh, because you don't want it to get in the way of the money. And so there's so many aspects of that conversation that are difficult to discuss. I think in today's game, you see it all the time, right? You see guys with a little more scruff. You see guys with a little bit longer hair. Um, and these are all things that are just kind of uh, part of the growth of the program. And when the expectation from Kalani is to genuinely be the best version of yourself, you're still going to have guys that don't give, like they don't care, right? Like they're still going to go out and do things that they shouldn't be doing. And, and they're going to go and put themselves first instead of the team first. But uh, when it comes to the honor code, it's more of a, you know, you know what you're getting yourself into. Um, chances are you're going to make some mistakes because the honor code is extremely, you know, tight. Uh, but you'd hope that, you know, you just kind of work your best and, and try and make the most of it. And Kalani understands that. And that's ultimately his goal. And the way that he enforces that is with genuine love. And, you know, you get guys who are a lot more uh, prone to choosing that way than going off the scale on the complete opposite side because they're so forced into doing things like it has been in the past. So Yach's got the clock on us, but we're probably about 15 minutes in the interview, and we've not asked you a thing about the bowl game. Do you consider a victory <laughs> foregone conclusion, and we shouldn't be talking about it, or there's stuff that worries you, and you better pass that along to the audience right now? Yeah, no, there's nothing that worries me. I honestly think I, I think it'll be a great opportunity for guys to um, to get the bowl experience, you know, for, for you to play the freshmen who uh, still have – a few games so they don't burn red shirts, right? And a uh, good opportunity for Baylor to play some, hopefully. And, um, you know, if, if you want to put a stamp on the season, right, uh, you walk into that game and you just absolutely dominate and you make uh, – ultimately you kind of make a mockery of <laughs> what the college football playoff is, the New Year's Six Bowls, and you just say, hey, you know, yeah expected to blow this team out and we're going to blow this team out so that would be uh, my vote of uh, direction in this game well we appreciate the time as always Dylan thanks for joining us and we'll talk to you again absolutely see you guys there's Dylan Colley coming up next what is trending all the headlines stay with us your day has just begun. Yeah. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Trending! Are you ready? ready. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Do I think I can do more on this team? Probably, but we're already good. Why do I have to? Do? Why do I have to kill myself every night? I just want to contribute. <laughs> I don't. I don't get paid enough to do that. <laughs> I don't think my body can take it either. To be honest with you. That's Rudy Gay on his role with the Jazz. They are ten and two in games he has played this year. A couple of close losses. A couple of one pointers. They'll have him tonight as the Jazz host the Clippers. It's a late game tip-off set for 8 o'clock. It's on ESPN, so our pregame show will start here at 7 o'clock on the Zone Sports Network. For the Jazz, seven straight wins, three days off. 
Did they pick up right where they left off? Because where they left off was a really good place. They were just crushing people. They got three straight blowout wins after the one-pointer in Cleveland. So can they keep playing to that level? Handle the Clippers tonight, back-to-back Friday and Saturday. They're playing six straight at home. It is all set up. The Clippers, probably shorthanded. Serge Ibaka is in health and safety protocols. Paul George is listed as questionable for the game with an elbow injury. Nick Batum, questionable with an ankle. And obviously Kawhi Leonard is out for a long stretch of time to open this season. So Jazz and Clippers tonight, 8 o'clock, right here on the Zone Sports Network. Hashtag NBA. Durant crossing over left, bumping with Watanabe, and a fadeaway is good. Elbow jumper, short and good. It hit off the front of the rim, the backboard, and went in for Kevin Durant. CP3 on the dribble drive, stops right block, fadeaway jumper. Oh, net for Chris Paul. We're tied again at 102. Curry down the floor, needs one to tie, takes the three straight on, and he is tied with Ray Allen. And for the moment, they share the throne and listen to the crowd here at the Garden. Wiggins comes across, working on Fournier. Up top to Curry. Quick release and splash! There it is! The best shooter the game has ever seen has cemented his legacy. No one has made more threes than Stephen Curry. Steph Curry gets what I think we can refer to as a new record. I mean, obviously it's new because he just said it, but it's a new statistical category. And he's revolutionized the game, taking way more of them, so eventually he was going to get the record. And now he's got it, and we can move on, and he'll put up some massive number, and if teams decide that they should be shooting 63-pointers per night, eventually someone else may get it. But it's Steph's record for now, and the Warriors got the win as well. They go to Madison Square Garden, and they beat the Knicks 105-96. to The Knicks, who uh, looked decent last year, four games under 500 right now, struggling. So Warriors back with the best record in the NBA, a half game in front of the Suns as they passed that back and forth a couple times over the last week or two. But both teams win last night. Not only do the Warriors win in the Garden, but the Suns beat the Blazers, although they needed OT. They still don't have Booker. He was out again, eight, and was back. Chris Paul leading the way. Damian Lillard had 31 points, 10 assists, but it's not enough. The Suns win in overtime, 111-107. The Jazz are two and a half games behind the Suns, three back of the Warriors right now. Another overtime game, Nets beat the Raptors. Brooklyn missing a few guys, but they got Kevin Durant. That's the most important guy to have. 34 points, 13 rebounds, 11 assists. He turns in a triple-double, and the Nets win it in overtime to beat the Raptors 131-129. Brooklyn with the best record in the East. Two and a half games up on the Bulls, two and a half on the Bucks, and three and a half on the Cavs. Speaking of the Bucks, Giannis Antetokounmpo entering health and safety protocols. A number of high-profile players have been ruled out around the league. James Harden is currently out with the Nets with their outbreak. So didn't matter, though, because they got Kevin Durant. And the Lakers, Taylor Horton Tucker, Dwight Howard, Malik Monk, ruled out currently. And, of course, one game postponed last night. The Bulls had a couple games postponed. We'll see if they can go Saturday. It was Bulls and Pistons last night. See if the Bulls can play the Lakers on Saturday night. That's the next game that they might be able to play, or maybe the legal kick the can down the road there a little bit too. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. 
Well, Weber State's handled almost everybody this year. They got blown out at Washington State. They're back at home tonight. Wildcats hosting Utah State. We get an in-state game at the D Event Center. The Aggies, 7-3. Coming off a blowout win over New Orleans. Weber State, 9-1. The game tonight is on KJazz at 7 o'clock, so you can catch some of that before the Jazz game gets going at 8 o'clock. And it's on ESPN, so it may be 8.15 by the time it tips off. So the Weber State-Utah State game starts at 7.30. Scotty G will have the call here on the zone. Starts at 7, actually. It starts at 7, the pregame at 6.30. Scotty will have the pregame at 6.30, and you can watch it at 7 on KJazz. Pistol Pete Maravich, his college letterman jacket, sold for $117,000 at an auction over the weekend. More than 50 years after his record-setting career at LSU. Out there averaging over 40 points a game with no three-point shot. I mean, Steph Curry puts on shows, but how do you average over 40 points a game? In a college game, yeah. you're averaging over a point a minute. With no three-point shot. And you got no three. Your dad's a coach, and you have the ball in every single possession. That's how that works. And you're also a really, really good player. And Yeah, and you're on your way to being a Hall of Famer. Can you imagine what he'd be with social media? That was before college basketball was on TV, really. Well, maybe any an occasional game was on TV. Yeah, really. right. Yeah, NCAA tournament games weren't televised. It was uh, it was a different era. Maybe the the Final Four in the title game, but certainly not Sweet Sixteen. That wasn't happening. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I don't want to say that. Uh, slump, but that's probably fair. It's such a multi-faceted uh, evaluation, but uh, I would say that our offense is definitely away from where we were playing uh, five and six games ago. Is Dak healthy? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. That's Cowboys owner Jerry Jones getting out front, talking about Dak Prescott. Cowboys 9-4. and four. Only one game off the best record in the NFC, which is held by the Packers, the Bucks, and the Cardinals. And yet, there's not nearly as much faith in the Cowboys. They're playing in a weak division. Nobody else has a winning record. And their record did get dinged a little bit, losing when Prescott was out. The back, you assume he's better, but deep down, I don't think any of us really expect that much out of him in the playoffs. Get there, win a game, even winning two, probably more than we expect right now. NFL dealing with their own COVID-19 outbreak around the league. Eight Cleveland Browns, nine Los Angeles Rams placed on the reserve COVID-19 list. And Washington football team owner Dan Snyder back in hot water again after Washington Post story revealed he tried to prevent a woman who accused him of sexual misconduct from speaking with D.C. attorney Beth Wilkinson as part of her investigation into the franchise last year. The Washington Post reported that Wilkinson learned of the 2009 allegations shortly before she began her investigation. It seems with Snyder that as long as he owns these teams, these stories are just going to keep happening. Apparently, the, the postscript all that, she was given a $1.6 million settlement. These lawyers came to her, I guess, this past year and said, we'll give you more money if you don't talk to this lawyer. I thought that was the whole point of the $1.6 million settlement, is it bought silence forever. Keep quiet. So she knows a lot of stuff then. Apparently. $1.6 is a lot of money, and now yeah. they're doubling down. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. I think people really say it this way, but let's not make a mistake. I mean, we have free agency in college football. And 
the kids a lot of times go to where they're going to get paid the most. So no one else is saying that maybe, but, you know, the kids say, this is what I'm getting here for NIL, you know, and so what we really have, it is what it is, you know, free agency has been created in college football, you know, I can go, except you can't lock people into a contract, you know, they can go at any time. So it's a new world that we're in, you know, and sometimes they want to come to you and say, I'm, I get this much money if I go there. So this is just a whole, whole new thing to deal with. Lane Kiffin talking about free agency and college football. Sounded like he didn't really want to talk about it, but he had to talk about it. He takes some kind of direct question. Or he's a heck of an actor and he desperately wanted to talk about it. But then when he got up there, he pretended like he didn't want to talk about it. Talk about this. (sighs) Okay. But he's right. Now you can pay guys. You any booster NIL. Hey, promote my company, my car dealership, my whatever company on your social media and Here's 20 grand or 40 grand or 60 grand or whatever. And we it is this a daily transfer portal update. Former Indiana starting quarterback Michael Penix Jr. transferring to Washington to play for Kalen DeBoer. The two have a connection going back to coach's time at Indiana as the offensive coordinator in 2019. Florida State has given Coach Mike Norval an extra year on his deal with the team after the Seminoles' 5-7 and seven season this year. He originally had a six-year deal when he was hired by Florida State in December of 2019. Getting an extra year. Apparently it's a verbal agreement. I'm like, 5-7 and is going to get you an extra year there, huh? Uh, maybe they've gone through so many coaches they want to slow it down and let somebody get established. And if they have to go through 5-7s, and sevens, hey, we're not Florida State. We don't win 10 games every year. And end up in the top four anymore. But Bobby Bowden did that, so... Yeah, I know, but after 15 or 20 years, maybe the boosters have sure. made a mental adjustment and stopped screaming at the AD to fire him. Whoever him is at that time. Nevada quarterback Carson Strong announced he'll be foregoing playing in the Wolfpack's bowl game against Western Michigan to prepare for the NFL draft. Let the bowl opt-outs commence. And... While we look at a generation of college football players, at least a year leaving, I don't know, a year, a generation. The early signing period for college football begins today. Coaches will have press conferences later today. We'll get you updated on the zone as word comes in. It continues through Friday. So we'll see who's going where. If USC's haul is going to be as fantastic as everyone's been talking about. Kyle Winningham has a press conference set at 245. It's a little awkward for the Aggies and for the Cougars because they've got bowl games this week, but we'll get some word out of them as well. Yak will be on social media tracking everybody all morning long. DJ and PK. That is what is trending. It is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up. Riley Jensen, college football insider, mental performance coach, is going to join us at 8 o'clock. Rondo Felberg, former BYU athletic director, will be here at 9 o'clock. We'll talk to him about the Big 12, the commitment not just to Kalani Sataki, but a commitment to Kalani, and then all across the football program, assistance, recruiting budgets, the whole bit, and the move to the Big 12, and we'll talk with him about that. And, uh, And what Lane Kiffin just talked about, free agency and NIL and college football. Rondo's coming up at 9 o'clock right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. DJ and PK, the question of the day is coming up next. 
This is unright. You guys are doing a hell of a job. We have with us Evan Dudley, the UAB beat writer. Anything you feel about the game? Who's going to win it? First thought, I'd probably have to go with BYU. Obviously, they had a great season. Uh, you know, better Pac-12 record than half the Pac-12. They beat the <laughs> Pac-12 champion, you know, head-to-head. But I think BYU uh, probably the better talented, better team. But UAB is also a team that gets the most out of its players. They're going to play physically, and they're going to try to give themselves a chance there in the second half against a really good team. That is unbelievable. Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Keery. Weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair is 2021 and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.utahairmd.com. Question of the day, what would a win in the Independence Bowl mean for BYU? Wade says, translation, unleash the Ute Trolls. Wade, Wade, Wade. You need some teammates doing a little recon for you, Wade. The trolls are permanently unleashed. They roll the landscape at, at all times. They're just rolling across the, the hills and the valleys. The dales. Whatever is a dale? I don't know what a dale is. It's like the hills and dales. The trolls cannot be contained. They're trolls. They're all over the social media landscape. You trolls, cougar trolls, Laker trolls. It's just the world we live in. All right. A dale is an open valley. So there you go. That's the official explanation for you. Live and learn. I didn't have no idea I would figure that out this morning. I only figured it out because you told me. So technically, I didn't figure it out. Martin says it means 11 wins, a 22-3 and record over two seasons, possibly a top 10-12 to finish, a high ranking to start next season, and happier fans. It's a fairly complete list right there, Martin. There are a lot of people who say it's going to mean a top 10 ranking. Okay, you're not going to, once you're ranked this high, you're not going to get that much mojo for uh, beating UAB. So you're going to be dependent on teams losing in front of you. If the, if the ranking is that important, you're at 13. Obviously, if you lose, you won't, you won't get anywhere near the top 10. And it would be cool to say that. There's plenty of people saying, oh, the fourth top 10 ranking in school history. There are a lot of cooler teams that have topped out at 11, 12, or 13 if that's really important to you. And if the coaches get to say top 10, then that does sound cool. But they got a lot of cool stuff to say already. Back-to-back double-digit win seasons. Ah, if one's 10 and one's 11, it's not that big a deal. Winning is better than losing, and it's better to say 22-3 and than 21-4. and But is that really going to swing a recruit? I think the hay is pretty much in the barn here. They've had two really good seasons. They've got momentum. They got a lot of stuff they can say that impresses kids. If they win one more game, well, just keep piling on. You can never have too many wins. If you're offered another win, take it. Christian says 11 wins and mediocrity. Welcome to Independence Hill. Maybe they can soak in that. Doesn't it feel like Independence is pretty much over? You got the Big 12 to look forward to. 
And it's so close. There's one more season. One bowl game, one season. We'll be here before you know it. The planning and the plotting has already begun. If we learned anything last Friday, they're all over that. And they've been all over that for a while. Josh says, what would a win in the Independence Bowl mean for BYU? It means they won a crappy bowl game or they lost a crappy bowl game. How many bowl games really excite you? Yeah, we're going to the fill-in-the-blank bowl. You go to the Big 12, you have a chance to go to the Alamo Bowl. I can hear the passion now. Or the Texas Bowl. Or the... How many people can even name all the Big 12 tie-ins? It's all a blur of bowl games. Matters more who you get and if they have their whole team and if their coach has been hired or fired or they have an interim coach. There's a bunch of qualifiers to put on bowl games now. Best thing is you'll have access to the playoffs and you have hope of that. You have hope of the Sugar Bowl and you can pitch that to kids. And most teams won't get anywhere near any of those things. But you can still talk about it. And it sounds good. The best thing about the Big 12 is going to be getting back to rivalries. Now, you're going to be building new rivalries. There's a whole bunch of these teams that they have barely played at all and haven't played since they met them in a bowl game 20, 30, 40 years ago. Kansas haven't played since the Hawaii Bowl in the 90s. Oklahoma State, they haven't played since... Uh, a couple of bowl games in the 70s. I think it was a Tangerine and a Fiesta. So you're, you're starting brand new. You've got a couple of games with UCF, but UCF's gotten much better since you played them about a decade ago. Cincinnati's gotten much better since you played them. Taysom, Taysom Hill was quarterbacking when they played those games with Cincinnati. You don't really have a rivalry with Houston, but you played a couple of cool games with them. That, the shootout at Houston is one you can actually remember. Up and down the field, ridiculous number of yards and points in that game. But you got to build on that. But you'll get to. It took a little while to build Boise State into something, but pretty quickly that developed into something good. So who knows who it'll be. Maybe it'll be Baylor building off that uh, the game down in uh, Waco this year. There's nothing like somebody beating you and taking something away from you to make you get fired up to play them the next time. Utah and Colorado are rivals. Nope, they play on rivalry weekend because everybody else has a rival and you two are left, so go play each other. But until you start taking something away from each other, what's it going to matter? You do that, that'll add a little juice. What would a win in the Independence Bowl mean for BYU? Andrew, that they won more than 10 games. Thank you for the math, Andrew. Kinzo, that they won 11 games. Brendan says, Kinzo, your comment is incomplete. Let me help. They won 11 games, one more than the Utes, who they beat earlier in the year. Laughing, crying emoji. Well, you'll be one in front of the Utes until they play their bowl game. See how that plays out for them. Do they take down Ohio State? And if they do that, I don't think they'll care what anybody else does because they will have done that, and that will be a very big deal. And there will be very happy Ute fans 
leaving the Rose Bowl if that happens because Ohio State has a ton of talent. Brandon says 11-win season, not too bad. A little better than not too bad, Brandon. You're underselling it there, not too bad. How many teams told on August 15th, hey, you're going to win 11 games this year, be disappointed? Alabama, Ohio State, what? Only got to 11? Because you're counting on playing 14, 15 games and being in the playoff. So 11 means that you lost three or four games. But for most teams, 11, take that sight unseen when the season starts. There's about a dozen teams right now that already are sitting at 11 wins. There just aren't that many. And a lot of them didn't know they were getting there. They hoped they were getting there. They wanted to get there, but did Michigan know they were going to get there? They're sitting on 12-1 and right now. But did they know they were going to beat Ohio State? Did they think they might mess up another game along the way? Michigan State got them right at the end. 11 wins is an awfully big number. Kyle says it means they really did get hosed in their bowl. What bowl were you going to go to that you really, really would have been excited about? Where you wouldn't say, oh, I got hosed in the bowl game. The New Year's Six. <laughs> you weren't going to the New Year's Six. I know, I'm just, but I'm just saying. If that's The Power Fives decided like 25 years ago, maybe 30 25 years ago when BYU when, made the Cotton Bowl in 1996, yeah. Right, but even then the Holiday Bowl had been a big yeah, thing. I know. They, and they they played, the, the WAC champion had played some really good teams. There had been highly ranked teams, there had been 9-10 and 10 win teams in there. I think BYU played Ohio State in the Holiday they Bowl They did. At one point. They played Penn State in the Holiday State, Bowl yeah. at one point. They played a really good Iowa team when Ty Detmer was a senior. Iowa, I think, came in as a 9-win team, maybe a 10-win team. They were really good. There were a bunch of really good teams that went there. The Michigan team they played in 84 when they were unbeaten was one of the worst teams ever to go to the Holiday Bowl. The Holiday Bowl usually did way better than 6-5. and five. Yeah, but you're right. The, the Power Five is... And the Power Five decided Power Five is going to play Power Five. So not only do they take over the yes. Alliance, which is before the BCS. The Bowl Alliance, the BCS. And but the they decided the even when we go to the Holiday Bowl, it's Power Five versus Power Five. We're not playing these guys. So... Yeah. If you're in the Mountain West, you're probably going to a quote-unquote crappy bowl game. I do. The Vegas Bowl was a crappy bowl game, and BYU made it an interesting, exciting... I mean, Vegas has always been a good destination, but Utah State played, I think, Ball State there in like 93 when I was brand new. And I remember watching the game because I was working, I had to have highlights, and it looked like there were 12,000 people at the game. And BYU, they've admitted, BYU saved that bowl yes. game. Yes. And they got the deal with the Pac-12, so they got UCLA in there. They got Cal in there. Mm-hmm. Marshawn Lynch had a great game there. So did Deshaun Jackson in that same game. So, yeah, it gets, it's exciting because there's 40,000 people there. 
Well, 30,000 of them are BYU fans. I do think... So you make it exciting. Yeah, you make it exciting. I do think if this game... So they're playing in Shreveport, Louisiana, and that, I think, has just got a lot of people's go. I think the biggest thing is if they were playing in the Western United States, whether it's L.A., Vegas, And your Arizona, fan base can drive to the game. Yeah, if it was a drivable right. game, that probably changed the, changes the perception to a degree. Uh, you can dump on Shreveport, and we can dump on Shreveport because we don't live there. And sure, we don't go but, there. We don't know anybody there. Just like people who never have been here dump on here and, well, dump on places. They went to Miami. Miami's got a pretty good rep, but you're playing in a baseball stadium yes. and in a fight. That was a dumpy bowl game. And awful. you were in Miami. That was an awful bowl That's game. a major tourist destination. A dumpy bowl game. It's lots of dumpy bowl games. So the question of the morning. What would a win in the Independence Bowl mean for BYU? A little icing on the cake. Let me tell you something here. Why don't you tell me something? I hate it when bathroom breaks go longer than I anticipated. <laughs> Tearing you apart, huh? <laughs> Disaster of a morning. <laughs> this freaking bowl game means everything. What was in that burrito yesterday? Are you kidding? <laughs> that was last night. I missed the overtime. 11 wins? You got to look at BYU and their schedule here as an independent. Yes. They play a slew of what we call random games, right? Lacking the rivalries, not playing the team every year in a conference. And you build up a little something when you play them. Yeah, I don't think you build up much in conference. It's just the conference games. You just haven't built up anything with Oregon State. But it means everything because it's a conference game. So you don't need that meaning behind it. A conference game gives you the meaning. They've built up nothing with Arizona. What they've built up with Arizona is it's another checkoff to winning the South, to winning the conference. Individually, the Arizona schools or whatever schools, they don't mean anything. But the significance of that means something huge. If you're in a race. Well, apparently these bowl games matter, so you're always in a race. Because you're in a race to get a higher bowl game. Are there really higher bowl games? Yeah. At the top, if you get to the New Year's Six. there are higher bowl games. That's a higher bowl game. Whether you consider that or not, it's up to you, but there are higher bowl games. They have a hierarchy, so the word high is right there. You asked, uh, oh, could you even name the Big 12 bowl game? I couldn't even name the Pac-12, let alone the Big 12. But there are higher, because they change. From, from time to time. So the hierarchy, I can name the Bulls, but I don't know the hierarchy. But yeah, that that means something. We went to the Alamo Bowl. We went to Texas. To the kids in Texas, the Alamo Bowl probably means something. Doesn't mean squat to me, but that doesn't matter. It What matters is to the product you can sell. That's in a conference. That's going to come in 14 games. In the meantime, BYU's played a bunch of random games, right? Virginia, it's a random game. Georgia Southern, random, random game. Random game. Yeah. The only, that basically, Pac-12 and then Boise and Utah State. Everything else is a random game. Tennessee, bigger name, although they haven't been that good relative to their reputation. Yeah, still the SEC. But, but yeah. it's just a random game. Absolutely. Not going to see them again. So that's those games are big though. Was Baylor a random game this year, or a hint of the future? Well, yeah, to come? That, that's a little bit different. It would have been a random game, but it's a little bit different now because wow, you're going to see them every year, and they got and they stomped you. 
They curb stomped you. <laughs> right. Tough guys yelling curb stomping. Well, they did. And that's why talking to folks afterwards, like, hey, guys, this is why we need what we need that happened last Saturday, Ooh, Friday. Baylor, best loss in BYU history. <laughs> because that was part of the deal. Yes, absolutely. And I really talked to guys after that, yeah. and they were concerned about this is what it's going to be like, fellas. We got to have everything in order. We got two years to get ready for this. You want to go to the top of the yeah. Big 12? Look, look what they did to look us. Who's in the way? They dominated you. That's how far it is to the top of the Big 12. Yeah, precisely. Right? So that is an. It's, it's on a. F- but what's that got to do fortune? with the bowl game? I'll tell you what it has to do I'm with the bowl I'm ready. Game. You sidetrack me, man. It's your fault. <laughs> I sidetrack you. <laughs> so, beating Virginia, beating Tennessee, beating Michigan State, so forth and so on. Those were all big deals. They celebrated. The Cougars celebrated. Their fans celebrated. I was there when they beat Michigan State. The little house. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Whatever they call it. You got the big house <laughs> down the road, and this is the little house. It's little. It's 70,000. It's beautiful. Beautiful stadium. stadium beautiful. Yeah. In fact, their, uh, their media thing and everything was just top of the line. Great, uh, great. Uh, and I got a Michigan State sweatshirt on, too, and that's where I bought it. Um, my wife's nephew graduated from there. So, and he went to the game, and boy, he was depressed. <laughs> <laughs> not I got not happy to see BYU come rolling <laughs> in with the win. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. it's not what I paid for. And so I can recall standing in the end zone, uh, with uh, Tom Homo at the end of that game, standing next to me, we're chatting it up, and he's beaming. Of course, they won. The fan, by that time, and it always happens, a team that goes on the road and kicks the crap out of the home team, you end up having more fans, or at least more vocal fans, as the game winds down, because the locals go home. You don't have anywhere to go. Best example right? of that ever was Utah, Michigan, after that weather delay. Yeah. <laughs> it was literally empty, except for the U fans. I can remember some BYU, Utah guy was all excited that they went down and beat the crap out of the Devils on a Thursday night. Look at this. We've got way more fans. And, yeah, their fans yeah, that happens left. every time. <laughs> this five is, minutes this left. Is, I've been in this situation a hundred times over the years. Yep. So, anyway, the, the Cougar fans are going nuts, right? Big, big deal. But it was a quarter. It was a Big Ten game. But it was uh, Michigan State wasn't even good. They didn't have. A, I think they won three football games that year. We didn't know it at yeah. the time because it was early in oh, the year. But they ended up early. having. A, it, ended but it was up, in October. But okay, they ended up having a terrible season. Yeah, but it was a big, big deal, right? So if that was a big deal, but because BYU plays these slew of random games, that's a big deal. Why wouldn't this be a big deal? This is another random game. So if this is a piece of crap, then all those other ones were pieces of crap. But all those other ones weren't pieces of crap. They were celebrated. They were toasted. And run around, slap hands with the fans as they lean over the stands. Blah, 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 blah. Tom Homo in the end zone next to me, beaming. Yeah, as he should. No problem there. So there's no difference between all of those as an independent. Thankfully, that'll change in in 14 games. But they treated it as if it was a big deal. Well, what's the difference here? There's no difference. This is a random opponent in a random location, just like you've done for a decade. And you celebrated every single one of those. The only one you didn't celebrate was Portland. I thought we weren't speaking of that. 
That was it. Exactly. <laughs> Everything else has been celebrated. So you tell me. The red flare goes up. What? This team's not very blue good. Blue flare, blue flare, blue flare. No, it was red because it was bad. Uh, Bronco, he just rolled over and he ain't dead yet. <laughs> so there is no difference between those games and these, this game. And if you celebrated those games, then logically you would celebrate this game. So get off your freaking high no. horse and tell me. I'm speaking There's, to you personally. I'm no, I'm going to get on my high horse right now. It doesn't matter. <laughs> this is, And then you add 22 games, wins in two years. All the random games you just said, you know, Tennessee, Michigan State, they've got reps. Maybe not a great team that year. Middle Tennessee, then. I can that's, substitute. And that's the thing. And is you that, celebrated that? Not really Oh, all bull that crap. Much. They did, too. Not that You're much. not in the locker room. You celebrate all wins. I've seen it with the yes. Utes. You can hear them. They beat Idaho State. They jump, jump up and down. down. They beat and they Weber. Sing. It's all the same. Yes, some mean more, and there's more emotion. No doubt and about this it. One, but you still celebrate them. This, you have varying levels of celebration, I'll grant you. And this will be the level of celebration of beating South Florida and Middle Tennessee State. No, and, I think it'll be more. Uh, that's the last game and, of the year. The and last you've time won 11 games. You, and, it's, and it is a bowl game. Lavelle Edwards' bowl win. 7-15-1. Apples I, and oranges. I have no idea what those bowl wins were. But I'm not a lifelong cougar. Doesn't matter. Everybody And Kyle. Kyle's 11-3. Name them all. They beat Indiana. 11 win, 11 <laughs> bowl wins. Phillips kicks a game winner. There's like 20,000 people there. I'm there on the sideline. Place is going nuts. Scally, I'm talking to him afterward. He's beaming. Andy Phillips, game-winning field goal. He's beaming. So that doesn't mean anything. BS. Just because something doesn't mean something to you doesn't mean that it doesn't mean something to them. Winning is better than losing, as I said earlier in this segment. Who gives a crap what you think? When you... (laughs) Come on! It's a snowy day. That's a true story. I see nine, ten slide offs. You don't think those people right now would like to be in front of their television or in Shreveport celebrating a bowl win? No, they're off on the side of the freeway, leaning it bailed out. Winning is on. Winning is better than losing. But the die's been life is better than dead. Yes. Come on, tell me something I don't know. But the hay's basically in the barn. If they don't win it, they still have a good recruiting pitch. They got a ton of momentum right now. You have more momentum if you win your next game. Whatever it is. Nothing solves everything. Right. Nor is anything the biggest thing. They're all big. That's my point. Beating Middle Tennessee was big for them in the moment. It was another win. It's the same thing. If you celebrated there, then you celebrate here. Same thing. They all add up. And that, I think, is the best phrase you've said. They all add up. They'll be 21-4 and four or 22-3 and three after this game. That's a great recruiting pitch. And coaches will text that number to kids. They will tell that number to kids over the next few months. I got but a couple of guys in my neighborhood, there, and I'm telling them, look at the Cougars. You only get there by winning games like this consistently. And the reason they've had two great seasons in a row and not three great seasons in a row in, in a tough row. Tough to say. Yeah, it was tough to say. Is if you go back to 2019, they oh, botched They botched three games like that. This. You always do that. Bring up the past. Because it's all winning about the games future. like this. 
It's not about that. Was I know then. But the future, but that, the future's already in good shape because they've got a gr- great wow. recruiting pitch. Okay, if you they've the got future, a great recruiting pitch right now. Whether they win or lose, this ball. I don't know what the future is. All I know is they got curb stomped against Baylor. <laughs> How do I know the future is? Good. I can't say that. They can. The Utes had two five and seven teams. You love to recite the past. They had two five and seven teams. Their transition, and they were as equal or better than you, uh, the Cougars at the time. So they struggled. So I, I can't tell you that BYU's not going to struggle. I don't know that. I haven't done deep dives on Big Twelve teams like we'll do. I know all about the Pac twelve. So and that's their struggles didn't surprise me in the least. So I can't say the future is bright or this or that. I can say it if I want to, but I don't know that. That's their pitch right now when they talk to recruits. The truth is the future's going to have everything out there. There's going to be big wins and horrible losses. If you're a sports fan, brace yourself. They're coming at some point. Okay, but what does that have to do with celebrating the Independence Bowl? Celebrate the moment. My gosh, you don't know. I was over a friend's house today. Or, excuse me, not today. Yesterday. A <laughs> golfing buddy. A golfing buddy. Guy that I golf with. 3 a.m. He's now... Using a walker, he can't drive, he can't stand up, he doesn't know if that'll ever happen, and he's in his 60s, and he's been a golfing buddy of mine for years, and I, he finally got out of the hospital, hardcore Ute fan, can't go to the Rose Bowl, told me how upset he was, he wasted over $1,000 in season tickets this season because he couldn't go, because he was laid up for months in the hospital, and he's lost all sorts of weight, he looked 15 years older, and you're telling me not to celebrate the Independence Bowl? DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. The athletic director of the University of Utah, Mark Harling. I'm curious what the difference in financial impact a Rose Bowl is as compared to like an Armed Forces Bowl. Here's what I know to be true. It's not extra millions flowing into the athletic department in that way, but it's broader a, a lift to the entire university. That makes it such a special thing. I mean, on January 1, there'll be more people focused in on the brand of Utah, you know, maybe outside of the Final Four years ago um, on that day. And it's hard to put a value number on that, but uh, we're just most excited about all the energy surrounding the University of Utah. I mean, I think, guys, when this thing is said and done, we may have 60,000-plus fans based on some of the data I was looking at. We're going to be unbelievable in our representation of the game, and that's just so exciting. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Stop with the just exclusively Christmas tune. That's not a Christmas tune. If it doesn't mention Christmas, Santa, or Jesus, it's not a Christmas tune. Those are your three requirements. What were my rules again? (laughs) Christmas, Santa, or Jesus. There it is. There's your list, people. Memorize it. And baby, it's cold outside. I mean, that's just, yeah, it's cold outside. Okay. That could be San Francisco in July. (laughs) (laughs) I went to a game when they were playing at Candlestick Park. I was living in Santa Barbara and uh, drove up. And uh, I think my brother went with me because he was living and working in in the Bay Area for a while. And so we sit, we end up, it's a pretty big crowd. We end up sitting in center field up high, terrible seats. And the wind starts blowing. It was like a, 40-mile-an-hour wind the whole game, right in your face. Heavy jackets. 
bundled up. What were we thinking? Why did we even bother going? Ended up with a sinus infection for a week, man. I just know whatever. <laughs> Freaking pollen just blowing right into my face for an hour. It was miserable. There was, there was nothing about that weather that said, oh, it's baseball season. <laughs> right. Willie would have hit 1,000 if he played in a regular park. Right. Oh, man. All right. We're getting uh, more people weighing in here. And they're all wrong. What would a win in the Independence Bowl mean for BYU? An 11-2 and two season. Dr. Sarcastic YC Cooks. Ron says it means being an independent gets your win in the Independence Bowl. He's very excited by the wordplay. Brett says it doesn't mean much other than they were focused and they got another win. Well, that means everything. What do you mean it doesn't mean more than? <laughs> that's that's the get, whole point. That's how you get most wins. <laughs> you can only have a couple of high water marks. What a dumb bleep comment. What would it mean? And Jeter fan says absolutely nothing. Then all those other things mean absolutely nothing. Then what's the point? Losing to San Diego State for the Utes meant nothing. Losing to BYU meant nothing. Almost nothing, Curtis Harmon, MD, says. A loss, on the other hand, would be devastating. Weird bowl, weird opponent, weird predicament for the Cougars. Why is it so weird? I don't get it. What a bunch of snobs. (laughs) Like, we're worthy of some... So-called glamour bowl, and if we, play, if we don't play in it, man, it really doesn't matter. But yet, beating Middle Tennessee meant something. But and, and last year, beating all those teams, and I thought they only beat those teams because their schedule was soft. That's the only reason why they won. If they would have played anybody, if they would have played one Pac-12 team, they would have lost. Just look at this year. Oops. Bad take. <laughs> All I want is consistency out of my folk, and I'm not getting it. Nope. You're getting emotion. Beating Northern Illinois. That was huge. I saw that. You celebrated that game. How's this any different? Mikey, observing uplifting things, says, a top 10 finish, perhaps. Possibly. Sure. You mean to tell me that's not a big deal? Get the win. And then you're going to have to catch three teams in front of you. How much help do you get in well, bowl they games? They have to lose. You can't right, catch they have them. to lose. That's how you will catch them, is they will lose. You don't catch them. They lose. If I catch you, that means if you've got 100 yards ahead of me and I end up tagging you, I've caught you. And make sure that nobody behind you uh, does something you impressive. You can't make sure anything you. on that. You have zero control. You can't, how do you make sure? You can't make sure that. Man, is this the morning of stupid takes or what? I'm starting to wish I called in sick today. (laughs) If only that green light had come on. Come on. I mean, this is just getting out of control here today. I expect more out of our listeners. They're an intelligent group of people, most of them, particularly if you graduate from one institution. (laughs) <laughs> and you, you will leave it unnamed so that everyone can imagine what yeah, they want. Yeah, it's like you tell your wife, "Why, oh, sweetheart, or you call her honey, honey, I don't have any interest in, say she's got like six or seven friends that she socializes with, I don't have any interest 
I can't look at your friends in the slightest degree romantically at all, except for one. Oh, jeez. And then you don't tell her which one. Why are you still married? Because <laughs> she loves me. I mean, you, oh, gosh, we're off the air at 10. <laughs> Why am I still married? Let me count thy ways. What do you think the first reason is, guys? Mrs. K, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. Believe me, she's not. <laughs> All right, when we come back, Riley Jensen, our college football insider. And normally I would hold the breaking news until after the break, but we're not going to talk NFL with him. Brown's uh, Baker Mayfield tested positive for COVID-19. Prepare to adjust your fantasy football team accordingly. If he gets two negative tests between now and Sunday, he can play. So file him in as well, a definite maybe. And there was Rams guys who f- had false positives, and yeah. they're back at practice the day after the game, but they couldn't play the game. Couldn't play in the game. What are Ty- we doing here? Tyler Higby, tight end. Gave me zero points. But not Eleanor team. Rigby. DJ and PK, Riley Jensen's coming up next. Join Unrivaled Thursday at the warehouse from 3 to 6 p.m. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Oh, tomorrow and it's Christmas season, you know what? It deserves two booms. Boom and boom! Sounds like avalanche control over there. Boom! And the snow comes tumbling down. Yeah, story of my life is avalanche uncontrol. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but it sounds crazy. Ready for recruiting day? The announcement of all the kids who may or may not play, may or may not transfer? Yeah, and then nobody announced Tavian Thomas, and he's their best running back, and he's going to go play in the NFL. (laughs) Waiting for the portal kids to come in later. (laughs) And I don't even remember any announcement. I just remember going to training camp, uh, their media availability, because they don't let you see anything anymore. It's changed dramatically over the years. And Kyle starts talking about him, McDonald, the running back coach. In fact, I knew so little about him. After, like, the fourth time of them talking about him, I said to McDonald something about Thompson, and he looked at me. I screwed it up. It's Thomas. <laughs> but I knew, no, I knew nothing about the kid. He did, he, he did come in late under the wire and mm. unknown. And the only thing he's coming in now is the end zone. End zone 20 <laughs> times. I know. Amazing. DJ PK, it's time to welcome in our college football insider, Riley Jensen. He joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit SmartRain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs. Or call 877-346-3333. Riley, good morning. Good morning, fellas. What's going on? Question of the day, Riley. What would a win in the Independence Bowl mean for BYU? The world. I, I think I think it means something to BYU if they actually like do what they're supposed to do, which is to go and like really take it to this team. But I think it means much otherwise, other than the personal pride that it takes to be a good football team like BYU is. You want to go and you want to take care of business, but I mean, most of the BYU fans that I'm talking to, and most, uh, I mean, they're not super excited about it, and I, and I kind of understand why. I mean, I, I feel like this is a team that deserved an opportunity to kind of showcase what they can do against a really good team. Nah, it's a nah. system. It's a system, man. What, what, did, 
Did they not showcase what they could do against the Pac-12 champion? Did they not showcase what they could do against the Mountain West champion? They didn't do enough for you, Riley? You want more? When is enough enough, my good friend? And I call you my good friend because you are my good friend. Come on. 5-0 and against the Pac-12 and you want more? Can they ever satisfy you? That's the typical BYU thing. Whatever they do, it's not enough. Well, I'm here to put out a cease and desist order right now. You've been served. Well, I mean, I think it's kind of human nature, right? I mean, when you guys go into negotiations for your next contract, you want more. I mean, no, we all want more, really. right? No, I, we all want a little bit more. On Monday, I announced that I, I have agreed to a precedented contract. Not an unprecedented contract, but a precedented contract. <laughs> I, agreed to a de- I agreed to a deprecedented contract. <laughs> no such word. Yeah. That's where you agree to a contract, and then you take uh, a whole bunch less later. Well, aren't you the of idiot? Of course you want. <laughs> so am I. Listen. <laughs> listen. Of course you want more. Of course BYU fans want more. You want to you go up against the best. I mean, it's part of the reason you play the game is to play against the best possible teams. And especially to me, if you're a BYU fan after last year going 11-1 and everybody talking about, well, it was the schedule, you know, you, your schedule was easy. And then you go and do this this year, and then they're like, yeah, here's the Independence Bowl. You're going to play against UAB. Oh, Riley, you where know, have I you mean, been? Come on, man. The world is about being a victim today. Everybody's a victim. Yes, and so I am. BYU I can play victim. You get everybody wants to be a victim. That's the world we live in today. So they're a I'm victim. I'm playing it for them. Right. I'm that, playing it for them. And it That's feeds into saying. them even better. So you got the Dennis Dodds or whomever of the national folks going out there. Yeah, they disrespected BYU. You actually get more publicity that way by being the victim. This is the way it works. Okay. Get with the times, okay. man. You know what I do? You know what I was actually like on a, on a text thread with my brothers the other day, and they're like, "Dude, you're so not cool." And I, you know what? <laughs> like, I almost started crying. I almost started crying. Like, I'm really not cool anymore. Like, I'm not. I'm not the. I'm. Yeah. And and then my brother like piled on and goes, "Yeah, and you're you actually never were." And I like you know. <laughs> I mean, I could play the victim too. <laughs> I I can't relate to <laughs> not being cool. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Right. Right? Right? I mean, you're just, that that's who you are. But, I'm, you know, I mean, we all can play the victim if we want to. Yeah. So some system denied them. Screw the system and go win games and then send a bunch well, of guys to the NFL and get an unprecedented contract. Life is good in Provo. Quit well, kind of trying to make it sour. I think you're right. I think it is good because the Big 12's coming. And I can tell you this, and I know it's, uh, it feels weird to me that it's signing day because it was always in February when I was, when I was around, right? Is, yeah. is there are guys that signed with BYU today that I know for a fact decided to go to BYU instead of elsewhere because of the Big 12. And because BYU has proven what they can do on the field, and they're going to the Big 12, and they're going to land recruits that they didn't used to land. And I know... I know that everybody doesn't want to believe that, and everybody goes, well, we had a great independent schedule, and we were doing this, and we were doing that, but it matters to these kids, just because it doesn't matter to a 47-year-old white guy from you know, Salt Lake City, Utah, doesn't mean that it doesn't matter to an 18-year-old big-time recruit, 
then he's going to have a chance to play in the Big 12. And so things are yeah. good. Yeah. And this will you. be one of the last times that they have to play against UAB in, you know, the Shreveport, Louisiana Bowl. Matters to a 47-year-old Egyptian, too. <laughs> Whoever it matters. To. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I saying, who's that? Who are we talking about? 47-year-old so I think, the, I think the key to this, though, is what makes you a really good team is winning games like this, even though they aren't exciting. Because the reason that they have back-to-back 11-win seasons if they win this is because they won a bunch of games like this. <laughs> Winning the big games, beating Utah is great, but two years ago they went 7-6, and six, they beat USC and Tennessee. And those are marquee wins, big-name programs, and that's great, but they lost to Toledo and South Florida and Hawaii. Again with the past. So they're 7-6 and six in tennis instead of 10-3, and three. and that's why their coaches aren't out saying, three straight 10-win seasons, <laughs> which they would be saying so, if they could. So they're losing recruits because of 2019. No, but they have one less cool thing to say. Because it's all about the future. Nobody. It's not about the past. Well, when you're out on nobody. the road saying we've won 22 games in the last two years, it is about the past. Because obviously, the game's told us post. that people he knows for a fact, and Riley knows it for a fact, because it is a fact that they're signing because of the Big 12. Look forward, my friend. Blow you off and the I, past. You and I both know the coaches are going to say both those things. They're going to talk 22 <laughs> wins. And they're going to talk. They can big talk 12. whatever they want, but Riley knows kids are signing because, because of, of the, the future. How in the world are we being lectured on positivity by DJ that, or by PK? That's what I want to know. Because DJ. it's about because how, it's how truth. Is it that I am being lectured about positivity and not being surly and grumpy by PK. Oh, you can be positive and be grumpy. Believe me, I perfected it. <laughs> positive and grumpy. Yeah. That's, awesome. That's the best of both, if you ask me. BYU fans expecting to win at the Independence Bowl right after that game, one thirty on ABC Saturday. 5.30, it's your Aggies in Oregon State. Is Utah State going to pick up win number 11? Oh, man, I, I I hope so. I mean, I hope it's the team that showed up against San Diego State because that was impressive. And I think San Diego State is a team that's a good that's a good team to prepare for somebody like Oregon State who likes to run the ball, who likes to pound the rock, who likes to try and play good defense and good special teams. So I'm hoping that that was a good precursor to what Utah State can do. I think it's been a really, really, really great season. It's the first time I did not know this till I read it the other day. That made me it made me feel like wow, that's re- that's kind of an incredible stat. It's the first time that Utah State has played against a P5 team in a bowl game since the Gotham Bowl in 1961. I mean, it's been 60 years since they played against a P5 team in a bowl game. So it's a, it's a big deal. It, it's it's um, I know for a fact because I played against Oregon State when I was playing at Utah State, it's a big deal for the program. Like you feel that added like, hey, like this will be really good for us if we can beat a P5 team, if we can send a message that says that, that we belong in this situation, right? And so I think, I think that – there's two things that Utah State are going to have to overcome a little bit. One is they're playing in SoFi Stadium, which from all accounts is just incredible with a circular scoreboard and, and, and just a huge NFL stadium. They're playing against a Pac-12 team. I know it's not a team with as much reputation as normal, but it means a lot to the university and to the players on that team. 
So they've got to overcome a couple of things. I wouldn't be surprised if Utah State starts out a little bit shaky and then they put something together and then it's a really, really close game this weekend. So I And I agree with you, and I hope they win and all that. It's cool to go in there, but I just don't get how the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl means the world to Utah State, but the Independence Bowl means jack bleep to BYU. <laughs> I don't understand that. <laughs> Uh, I mean, maybe, 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 maybe it has to do with an opponent. I mean, I, I think, I think BYU fans would have been a little happier even if they would have gotten UTSA, which is you know an undefeated team. And we'll let the Aztecs handle them. Then UAB. Yeah, and, you know, and, and, and Oregon and it, State lost to Colorado, and Colorado sucks. Come on, <laughs> but Oregon State beat Utah, and Utah's. Won the conference. And they lost to Colorado. In 1904, Oregon State had a chance. They beat SC. They beat Notre Dame. They beat the Packers. But they lost to Chico State, Redlands, and UC Riverside. And that's why they weren't 10-3. The positivity's gone. He's back, (laughs) Riley. (laughs) He went away for a minute, but he's back. You know what, PK, this is why PK is fun at parties, because you never know what you're going to get. PK's a box of chocolates? I remember that that year very well for Oregon State and Colorado. 1909? Was that your past life? Was your name, was your name Bolly Kinahan? Were you playing, like, minor league ball for the New York Yankees and loving, like, the 1909 season? I think, I think you're right. It's, it's playing a Pac-12 team and playing Oregon State. And the, the thing that Cougar fans are probably going to talk about this year down the road, when everything else fades to details, hey, remember that year when they beat five Pac-12 teams? The Pac-12 teams are the ones people want to play, compare themselves to, look forward to playing, all of that. Yeah, and I, don't, I agree you know, I don't know necessarily. I don't necessarily think that it had to be a Pac-12 team. Oh, for, really? For, if BYU is playing a Pac-12 team now, wouldn't they? Yeah, everybody be talking about six and zero? They're already, they're already claiming the Pac-12 championship. They want another one. They're already claiming the Mountain West Conference championship. They're already claiming the youth, the, the Pac-12 championship. ACC why, beat why Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, why don't why don't they why don't they play you Big know, Sky from another conference? Yeah. <laughs> I think they would have won the Big Sky. Their consensus uh, winners of multiple conferences. It's like the AP and all the votes that determine if you're an All-American. The Cougars are an All-American. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. That makes a hell of a sense. It's a snow day. <laughs> it's a snow day. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm having a hard time keeping up. See, yeah. I'm not cool. It's, my brothers well, were right. My brothers were it's right. It's a snow day. Come on, kids are off. It's a snow day, man. I remember when I was a kid. I used to turn on the radio, and I just would. Oh man! Just and they would announce the schools and the school districts, and I went to St. Peter's and Booton Booton Township. Man, they would go first. That's where Charlie Weiss is from. Booton, it's the town right next door. And they they'd be off, and you'd be waiting, you'd be agonizing to get to the S's. And then when they finally said it, and they said St. Peter the Apostle Catholic School, you're off today. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my my wife rolled over this morning, and and she goes, she goes. No school today. And you know what my response was? What? Soft. Soft. 
<laughs> I don't. I honestly, I honestly, I I grew up in Logan, I, like until I was 14 years old. I do not remember a snow day. I do not remember one day being canceled. And it gets canceled all over the place. They're making my kids soft. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. We should have been at school today, and I would have given them a ride up, or I would have walked them up, or we would have found a way to get there and to study. This is soft. This is soft. So bugged about it. I can't even believe how bugged I am right now. You can't even believe how bugged I am. (laughs) Oh, I know. I'm glad I'm on the back half of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Right? I mean, you don't even need a 25 for warranty. This this jewelry or this uh, this this silverware has a twenty five year warranty. And you're like, what the freak do I need that for? I mean, that's what I have in my life right now. Do I, do, do I really need a twenty five year warranty? What the freak do I need that for? You know, I'm not paying extra for warranties anymore. I'm done with that. I'm not even going to outlive it. And don't pass it on to your kids. Like Shaq said, he told his kids, "We're not rich." I'm rich. (laughs) (laughs) Right on, Shaq. (laughs) I actually think, I don't think he understands how psychologically healthy that is on so many levels. (laughs) Yeah, make him out there and get him to earn her own way, man. I had to do it. I paid every freaking penny back on my student loan. Phenabla. Speaking of money, Riley, before we let you go, you watch Tom Homo, the press. about your house? No, the press conference with Kalani Sataki at BYU. Yeah. Do you feel like they're they're in? Because it, it doesn't. I want to say they're all in because it's not like they're going to have the biggest budget in the conference and spend the most money and all that. But it seems clear Tom didn't want to say the numbers, but he was trying to let everybody know we've stepped up our game. We're going to be able to compete. And he says, and if we need to adapt, we'll adapt. So we're not at the top, but if we need to spend more down the road, we're going to figure that out too. So do you have confidence that the coaches are going to have everything they need? Well, I think I, you just keep winning. If Kalani just keeps winning and doing what he's doing right now, like he's never going to have to worry about, like, can I take care of my coaches? Can I take care of myself and my family? And I and I know that most people are out there going, well, yeah, I mean, I'd love to have his salary. I'd never have to worry. But, but you're talking about competing in a sphere where you could lose coaches. You, you, you could look at another offer and go, man, that's great. So my, my thought is, is they're, they're about as all in as they can be. Um, I don't think that's an easy conversation to go and, like, get more money when – when we all know that, that some of the some of the jobs at BYU are considered a calling, and so it's it's part calling, part getting paid, right? And so uh, I'm just happy that that Kalani liked it enough to stay because I think he's got a good thing going, and I think Me he's too. changing the narrative about what you can do at BYU. And uh, I think for a long yeah. time people have tried to say, well, we don't have this, we don't have that. Right. Well. It appears that they have what they need now. Yep. It appears. I agree. I agree. Yep. Well said. So, and as long as it's enough for Kalani, then what do we care? Yeah, I mean, really. <laughs> he's, he's doing a great job. Yep. He's doing exactly. a great job. Well said again. Riley, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. 
Love talking to you guys. Uh, let me know when I can come on again and just jump from topic to topic to topic as fast as I can on a freaking snow day where we're all soft. Push-ups at Probably. 8.30. Ready? Go. Get <laughs> out of bed. You think you're going to enjoy this day off? I got something to tell you. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Riley Jensen, our college in foot, football insider, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Rondo Felbert. Former BYU athletic director will probably have a couple things to say about the Cougars' financial commitment to the football program. We'll talk with him coming up at 9.05 right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. The athletic director at the University of Utah, Mark Harling. I'm curious what the difference in financial impact a Rose Bowl is as compared to like an Armed Forces Bowl. Here's what I know to be true. It's not extra millions falling into the athletic department in that way, but it's broader a, a lift to the entire university. That makes it such a special thing. I mean, on January 1, there'll be more people focused in on the brand of Utah, you know, maybe outside of the Final Four years ago um, on that day. And it's hard to put a value number on that, but uh, we're just most excited about all the energy surrounding the University of Utah. I mean, I think, guys, when this thing is said and done, we may have 60,000-plus fans based on some of the data I was looking at. We're going to be unbelievable in our representation of the game, and that's just so exciting. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. I'll sing because he can't find the read. Take your time. (laughs) It's the fifth annual Black Friday sale. It's been extended through December at Davis Vision. Tired of glasses or contacts? Get LASIK now and save $1,400. There are limited spots available, so act now. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Man, I would drive through a blizzard to be able to come here and talk on the radio. (laughs) <laughs> you did drive through. <laughs> and then you go home and like your your family doesn't treat you like anybody and they don't care who you are. And then you you just drift out to nobody. Then you come on here and you get to just screw off and get paid for it. I mean, this is, this is bonanza here, man. And then get separation. You're oh, yeah, yeah. People want to talk to you at the golf course. I know. You're PK. What do you want to talk to me for? Uh, I'm not PK. I'm Pat. That's I'm PK it's, now. It's Pat. Yeah. <laughs> That's over there. Here I am. Right, but at the golf course, you're PK, and that's what I was talking about. No, I'm not. That's the point. I'm not. You are to them. (laughs) You might write Pat on your scorecard, but they go. I'm just dude over there. You're PK. No, and I don't act near as nutso as I do here. But then the seventh hole, they figure it out. Yeah. And one guy says to my wife, man, is it me? So he he doesn't really like me? What's, what's the deal? Yeah. So, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> He's here to play golf, man. Listen from 6 to 10 if you want the nutso. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that whack job. <laughs> All right, we just had Riley Jensen on, talking a little college football. It is signing day. So you think this is our last December signing day? They're going to change this. The coaching carousel was too crazy this year. Too many coaches fired midseason. Even if they don't, I don't think it's near as relevant. Because you, Kyle, who has done the same thing the same way for 30 years, and really, if you know the guy, he's regimented, he's consistent, you know what you're getting from him every day of the week. It's just the Punctual way- to the minute. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Boom, boom, boom. His word is gold. Blah, 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 blah. And asked him 
about signing day on Monday, and he's talking about how, well, you know, we're going to reserve a bunch of scholarships for these transfers. And they and he'd already got a couple. He got a tight end from Syracuse, right? Uh, I think uh, I think that's where it was. And he said, no, we've already got some good news, but I can't say what it is. Well, not, I mean, it's already out there on social media. Recruiting is out in the open now <clears throat> because they're, uh, Frothingham already said he's gone and, and the very good chance that the other two go to the NFL uh, because, I mean, they had a fin- – it's funny, man. For years, their tight ends were just nobodies. Now that the stars of the offense, it's crazy how it's changed. And so you've got to save all these scholarships – available for whomever. I mean, Thomas and Pledger, uh, two guys that that contributed significantly, and they had nothing to do with signing day. So signing day, even if they kept it the same, I think would reduce in the level of importance because why would you go for some... Now, there's some kids that you know are going to be bona, bona fide stars, but there's so few of them from high school to college, right? Why wouldn't you go with somebody who's already been there and you've got more legitimate tape on them and so forth? And so you have a much better idea because they've been at the college level f- from anywhere from one to four years. If for no other reason than their body's filled out, they've added that 10 to 15 pounds that we all add from the ages of 17, 18 to 19 and 20. I graduated high school June I was 17. I'd been 17 for six months. I weighed 140. Christmas, the next six months later, Mm -hmm. 170. (laughs) I put on the freshman 30. (laughs) But it was good weight. It was all good weight. Yeah. I was lifting. But it's, and, it's that age. You're, yeah, yeah, you're that yeah. age. You're going to do yeah. it. And plus two. You and you get, don't have to project anymore. Now you know what you're getting as Kids are way more, a lot of them, by and large, are way more focused, determined, uh, committed. They understand the maturity level uh, can be night and day difference in some of them and a lot of them. We've seen it, especially if they've had any form of any little trouble. And not necessarily trouble. doesn't have to be law trouble, but like obstacles. Whatever they might be, you know, Tom obstacles had a couple of obstacles. Yeah. And so now you talk to them. And if, just, if there's ever a time where they track. think the dream might have died for whatever reason. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, buried on a depth chart. That's all the obstacle it takes. That could like, be. That because could you, be. you've been the star. You were the star in junior high. You were the star in high school. All of a sudden you're buried on a depth chart. Wait, this may not work out for me. I mean, not everybody can be a Zach Moss and a Jalen Johnson who at 17, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. exactly, here's what it's going to be. This boom, 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 boom. I'm going to do this, 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 and this. And they get that done. Uh, you, that's great if that's the case. But... You know, let him have an opportunity to grow, and Thomas certainly has grown. Devontae Booker was a kid who had some trouble, and then got his got everything squared away. Comes to the Utes, was phenomenal, and is still is so still I'm, playing I'm, in the NFL. I'm with you on signing day isn't as important because you're going to get really important players in the transfer portal, but you can't get the whole team in the transfer portal. If you can, we don't know it because nobody's done that. No, yet. but you don't need the whole team. The, because you get got because you get guys. right and you get them on signing day and even if you're right even if you're I don't know if this is a phrase even if you're more than right if you're more right than you know and the transfer portal becomes even more important than you predict or speculate that it will now until coaches and ads act on that we're still going to have this coaching carousel where people are f- getting fired and quitting okay in september but, october I, but i don't know that the rest of the why would utah vote to want to change that 
their consistency is part of their allure. So it sucks for you that you fired your coach or whatever, but why should I have to pay for that? Clay Helton after week two and the whole season was just a get-through-it kind of deal. Let's just get through it. Utah kids, they know who they want, and they know that we want Utah, so the commitment is there. Boom, they sign. I don't know that it'll change. We're seeing the stuff on social media, Lander Barton. Ute through and through, the whole family. Ute's through and through. I tried my best to swim. (laughs) (laughs) That's humanly tough. They don't care what you think. (laughs) Since the sixth grade, I've been working on them. (laughs) Well, my wife had them in class. Uh, So, yeah. Yeah, it started back at Albion. (laughs) So they should... uh, I don't know that I want it changed. Benefit from consistency and stability. Why should I be hurt? Why should I cater to a small percentage? Maybe they do. And I, I don't know how much it's going to change. I don't know. If you just look at it from the perspective of your school, but for the industry, is it good? I think the answer is no, and that is why it would change. Not because of anyone's school's interest yeah but the kid can leave so all you got to do is just not make that letter of intent binding then the first year but give him the second he signs or she the second they sign they become a free agent yeah there's a lot of truth to that (laughs) well that's what it should be so if i sign a letter of intent today they're already i'm not bound unless you release me to go to your school in either January if I graduate early or in the summer. If I change my mind, because coaches can change their minds right up until when? Whenever. Literally. You were talking about how if a coach has a successful program and he wants somebody on his staff to succeed him, don't announce it in January. Announce it in Depending on your thing, if, June. You're, if you're football, you would announce it right. You'd announce yeah. it in June, July, August, so they're committed. If it's basketball, then you quit in October, and they're committed to that assistant coach. And there's a few examples of that out there. Uh, North Carolina. And I think the coaches all know how to play it if they choose. Bronco chose not to. And he spoke. He's got a lot of loyalty to the athletic director. He clearly didn't want to put an athletic director in that, in that spot. But if he had wanted uh, Robert and I to get the job— he could have quit August 15th. <laughs> and Robert would have been the intern. And he would have had a year to show what he can do. Yeah, it's kind of dirty pool if you know you're going to do it. But uh, I get your point. It, it was because then you are telling a bunch of kids when you're recruiting them. And Bronco clearly didn't want to do that. You're telling, yeah, come play for me. And you know full well you're out the door on August 15th. So you can hand the job over to someone like, you know, your offensive coordinator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, is there a dirty pool angle to it? Sure. Could it be done? Of course. So all you got to do is just set up to allow the kid, if he wants to leave, so Isn't it he goes to spring ball, and the, and he's out. We've already seen that. Yeah. So let everybody go. Everyone's a free agent at all times. That's why I didn't get that excited that Kalani got a contract extension to 2027. That potentially is meaningless. But the raise for all the assistant coaches, well, the raise for him, the but the program. raise for all the assistant coaches, a commitment to a recruiting budget, a commitment to facilities, a commitment yeah. to analysts, whatever they need to compete in the Big 12 to close the gap that we saw on the field when they played in Waco. Precisely. You look at the Big 12 and 
you would include Cincinnati and, and the others, right? Because they're coming Houston, in, they're going UCF. to be your, they're going to be your competition. So you'll look at their athletic budgets. You do deep dives into those things. What do they've got? Uh, if I were those guys, I would, and they probably they've been to a lot of the places. You know, what are the facilities like? What what makes your program successful, and what can we do to get to that level? We see it at the pro level all the time. You know, that's why they take coaches from or even in college, it's the same thing. Tommy Lloyd gets that job because at Arizona basketball because Mark Few is really successful, right? If they're Pacific, he doesn't get that job. That's <laughs> true story. You know what I mean? So you look at what's going on to make programs successful. So BYU does that. I have no idea if Kalani will be coaching at 2027 at BYU. I hope he does if that's what he wants. Whatever he wants is what I want for him. But that's a long way down the road. The most important thing is the commitment to the football program because if you want to compete against Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Kansas State and Iowa State, they've been good. And look at UCF and Cincinnati and Houston. All good programs. All have had moments, and it's not like it's 15, 20 years ago. They've all been very recent. Cincinnati is literally today. Houston had a fine season unto itself also. With that in mind, you need to be at that level. That's the excitement that I took from Friday because everybody now is essentially a free agent. The great thing about it is Kalani knows, unless he does something outrageous and cheats or whatever, that he's got this money coming in for the next, uh, what are we, seven, eight years away from that. And that's just our six or seven. And that's just awesome. That's great. And, and, and they need to benefit from that. And if you know, he can tell, uh, at least now, Kalani can tell people, I'm going to be here. You can go on a mission, gray shirt and red shirt, and I'm still going to be here. And that's comforting. But the reality of, let's check back in the start of the 2027 season, how many assistants are still there? You know, Maybe they are. That'd be awesome if they are. Want to get a Lavelle-like situation? Keep the gang together year after year after year after year? The majority of it, the crux yeah. of it, yeah. I don't know that that'll happen. Things change dramatically. I mean, look at Utah with these two hotshot quarterbacks from California, and neither of them take a freaking snap. They don't even take a snap. Can you believe that? Not one snap, and they're gone. Well, it's a good thing we didn't gamble on that because we would have bet against it, and we would have been wrong. So you want me to jump up and down today? One snap isn't too much to ask. One snap, <laughs> one snap in a blood against a big sky team when you've got this four-game redshirt rule that you didn't used to have. You know, there Alex you Smith there took one snap at San Diego State. Oh, they wasted a year of his eligibility. And we all went deal. nuts. It was a big deal. Hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> Everybody was talking about it. Nobody sat back and said, it doesn't matter. He's going to be the number one pick in the NFL in two years. He's going to leave a year of eligibility on the table. What would it matter if he left two? Funny. Nobody said that. None of us saw that coming. Right. Right. Well said. Let's go to the phones. Craig standing by. Craig, good morning. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, Craig. Snowy. Thanks for calling. Good, good. Hey, you know, admittedly, you're a Ute fan, grew up a BYU fan, uh, changed over with Bronco. But anyway, that's another story. But I just wanted to say, you know, I did some research on the teams that are going into the Big 12. And really, BYU needs to be more concerned with the facilities of the non-teams going in, the ones that are already there, the eight that are there, because they draw more. I mean, I was shocked. Cincinnati only pulls like it was like twenty-five or thirty thousand per game. I mean, it was—they don't even fill their stadium, even though they've done what they've done. And I, t- I went back and looked at fifteen to nineteen, looked at the average, uh, you know, attendance, 
for the, the four schools going in, including BYU, as well as uh, the, the current eight. And they would average about four to 5,000 fans less than the Pac-12 did in that same period. And it's not because of the new ones coming in. BYU is the only one that adds real value that way because the others aren't even drawing that much. And uh, their facilities are nothing compared to BYU. So if BYU wants to compare themselves to things, I wouldn't even worry about Cincinnati, Houston, or Central Florida. I would be looking at your Iowa State, who just upgraded their stadium a few years back. They sell out almost all the time. All of the ones that are currently in there right now are pushing about 55,000 fans, 50 to 55,000 fans per game. The new ones are pulling that down. So BYU positions themselves well. They're going to be fine. Uh, they'll probably be right there at the top or next to the top in terms of attendance. Now they've got to pay for the coaches, their facilities with the locker rooms and all the stuff they've done is phenomenal. So really, I wouldn't even be concerned about that. Just get out there, recruit, play football. I hope the Cougars do well. Funner than heck to see what's happened with Utah this year. Uh, I'm out. Thank you. All right. Oh, there it is. He's out. But on our station, you're off. On Romy, you're out. Here, you're off. Romy. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and I mean, it, it is funner than heck to see what Utah's done this year. I can't, I'm, I mean, that I'm going to write the game, the Rose Bowl, and I just might write, this was funner than heck. Please do. <laughs> I'm begging you. If you go on attendance, yeah, BYU, basketball, and football, which is why I don't, they, they should have been in the, Power five the second they went independent. But nevertheless, it took it, and here we are, and, and good for them. But, yeah, they'll have all that stuff in their back pocket uh, as far as that goes because they're going to be, attendance-wise, that, that's why Bill Self was talking about it at basketball media days. And it's two years away. He's got like 15 NCAA violations he's going to commit between now and then. Good so point. He's cut back. Huh? Good point. <laughs> <laughs> he's going. He's going on. A, he's going on a violation diet. Right. I'm not having that third violation this morning. So, but they're already excited about coming here and playing before eighteen. Everybody wants to play in an atmosphere. It's got a ton of energy, and it feels like. And it's the students are rocking. Deal. Yeah. 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 All crowds are not created equal. That's true. For sure. 10,000 with people sitting in their hands waiting to be entertained versus 10,000 people who are up before the game going nuts, ready to entertain the you. The U of A averages three deaths a season. During <laughs> <Stop. laughs> their games. <laughs> went there for an NCAA Consult tournament. Snowbirds. Went there for an NCAA tournament, and Utah State was playing there. And, you know, the most of the crowd is going to be the locals, uh-huh. and uh, I yeah. could, you could really feel it. It was an old crowd waiting to be entertained. And when a million years ago, when I was calling UC Santa Barbara games, uh, and they're going to Fresno, one of the assistant coaches said, I said, this is going to be a big crowd. He goes, easy crowd to handle. They sit there and they wait to be entertained. Uh, yeah. He says, there, there are places that have 4,000 people, but the students are up rocking, and it's yeah. way more intense. He says, you wait. And after the game, they go, what do you think? I said, that was the quietest 15,000 people I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> it was unbelievable. All right, Yuck. Are we giving stuff away now? Well, our illustrious, fearless leader, Scott Gerard, just texted me and said, hey, you got some jazz tickets. Give them away. Really? So we got a pair to give away right now. To see the Clippers tonight. Clippers tonight. Late game. You got to stay up past your bedtime, 8 o'clock. I will be staying gonna, past my bedtime. Gonna go no till, yeah, going to go till 1030. If you want to go see the jazz and the Clippers tonight, 
Paul George is uh, questionable with an elbow issue, and Nick Batum, or as PK likes to say, Nick Batum, is uh, questionable with an ankle. And surgery, or Serge Ibaka, surgery. Serge Ibaka is in health and safety protocols, but so what? The Jazz are playing. Good nickname, Surgery Ibaka. <laughs> surgery Ibaka is still out. <laughs> Stumbled into something good there. Serge Ibaka is in health and safety protocols, but the Jazz, back at it after three days off. If you want to go, be color 12 right now. 855 340 zone. 855-340-ZONE. Call right now. Someone's going to the game. Win, win, win. It's a win ticket Wednesday on the Zone Sports Network. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Win. Listen all day for the win ticket Wednesday sounder for your chance to win tickets. What? Who authorized that? To all the biggest concerts, games, and other great events here in the state of Utah. It's a win ticket Wednesday right here. Right here. Right here. Right here. Woo! On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Okay, <laughs> we got this planning. Heavy metal fans, this is the show for you. That playing in the background. Yeah, couldn't we come back with some metal? An oxymoron. There's no metal Christmas, is there? There's got to be metal Christmas. I don't know. Heavy metal fans, this show's for you. Kill Switch Engage is bringing their atonement tour to Salt Lake City at the Complex. Caller 12 right now. Win two tickets to see them March 2nd, 2022. Tickets available at LiveNation.com. There you go. The Complex, Caller 12, 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Call right now. Two tickets to see Killswitch Engage on their Atonement Tour here in Salt Lake City. Right on. Jazz and Clippers tonight. Normally, we'd hype it up with stuff like, oh, playoff rematch. and run. You feeling it? Or are the Clippers going to be missing too many guys? I don't care about them. Uh, whoever they have or whoever they don't have, it's about the Jazz getting on a good streak. Because Golden State and the uh, Suns have separated themselves, and I want the Jazz to stay within shouting distance. And, you know, the Phoenix is playing, well, they played without Booker. They got Aiton back last night. He had a monster game. Um, And they got the win in OT. They needed him. And and Portland is just a struggling team, and they're without McCollum, and he's out for however long. So nice win. The Knicks... Uh, the Warriors got them. I was surprised they're making such a big deal about the three-point thing with with Curry. It's a new stat. I know. It's it's not. It's not like there's 75 years of history behind that stat, right? And they're going nuts. They stopped the game. I know. I was watching it. Uh, as I was, he having did. My he tacos. did surpass a number set by a really good player. Well, but they're the, all going to be good. The, yeah. the, the, the but Hornacek the, had no opportunity. The strategy of the game, the whole yeah. I mean, it's night and day. Now credit to Steph Curry. You know, he's revolutionized the game. He's a one of the big reasons people it, look at it differently. I don't think he has. I don't. I don't know that he can revolutionize the game. Because if you let's do what he does, yeah. Good yes. luck. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that. Well, they won't do it exactly like him shooting threes off the dribble, crossing I think people analytics. over. I don't know that it's feet. an individual. Sure, I but mean, I, Jay Crowder taking ten a game and yep. he sucks. <laughs> True story. But guys are taking their thousand a day or whatever it is. Joe Ingles. But I think shoots. that was analytically driven. 
not Steph Curry driven. Right, but look at what the Warriors are doing. It works. Analytics is a theory, but there it is in the flesh. It works. Yeah, now, you, you got players like that. You can't do it to that level and <laughs> get that. Anything get can that. work. If you wanted but to you just, think, we're just going to shoot nothing but two-pointers. You don't think Kevin Durant has changed his game in part because he looked at the Warriors and looked at Steph Curry? I think it's, a, I don't, but I don't know that it's Steph Curry. I think it's a whole, just... An encompassing thing. Well, it's not just one thing, so I'll give you that. But you know, the the tip of the 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 spear or whatever that is. He would be the last guy I would look toward. I, nobody can recreate what he's done. I disagree. To that level, nobody in the no. game today. Because don't if they could, they rec- would. Don't you think his record will get broken? Yes, because somebody will be shooting ten threes at nineteen years of age. Mitchell could break it. Right. It's like Steve Cleveland says, when he goes to his grandkids' game, it's not just his grandkids, everybody in the court is going out there at 10, 12, however old they are, and doing this off the dribble. That's where I think he's revolutionizing the game. Yes, he's altered the behavior. The game has been revolutionized. He didn't revolutionize it. Yes, he but he's he has a significant part, okay. and he has now the leading getting, part. Now we're, but he we're did not the, revolutionize the game. Okay, we're getting the, to the common ground. Yes, I had a prominent a AAU part. coach in Utah County in like twenty twenty or twenty thirteen twenty fourteen. Mm-hmm. Tell me, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Jimmer has created the crossover step back three. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to do it because Jimmer was the hottest thing going on in the country, obviously locally. And he's, and this guy's, he's played at a, played at a high level coached. And he's telling me he's watching 10 year olds thinking Mm -hmm. everybody wants to be Jimmer. Kalani's talking about Zach Wilson, who's in Sports Illustrated, makes the throw that we joke about uh-huh. in um, uh, that uh, tri- tryout, our pro day last year, right? And he says he goes outside and his kid's trying to make it. So we all mimic. I had, yeah, I, I saw all that stuff growing up. You you, you mimicked whoever you saw. I, there was a kid played at L.A. Harbor College, which was a great baseball school, put guys into the, the big leagues in L.A., and I covered them. In fact, the coach was a BYU grad. And there was a kid named Ahern, and he modeled himself after Oral Hershiser to the point he walked off the mound, and he looked exactly like him. <laughs> it's like Tiger's kid it picking up the freak. tee. It was like Thurl and Mr. Grinch. Yeah, yeah. He nailed it right <laughs> there. Yeah, a mean one. And Thurl can do that. And that wasn't bad, but Thurl can do that. And everybody models themselves after that. So I think that, yeah, that record will be broken. Of course it will be broken. And if Steph would have come in in the league and did what he did at 20, he would have broken his own record. But I just, it's not a, an NBA lifetime record. You know what I mean? I do. It's a 75-year-old league. And so if you score the most points in the history of the league and break, break Kareem's record... That's you, awesome. You've beaten everyone who ever played the game. But the three wasn't a rule until 40 years ago. It was really not shot accurately until 25 or 30, maybe 30 years ago. I'd and it wasn't in volume until 15 years ago. And they doubled down on that in the last 10 years. And stopped so a, the game... 
Yeah, but it's just part of the show. I mean, that's just like the circus has come to town and they're going to do it. I mean, I get it. I'm, I'm with you 100%. But also, if we'd talked about this yesterday morning, do you think they're stopping the game and do you think they aren't? We both would have taken Yeah, they're stopping the and game. And they have to have opportunities for him to hug his mother and father separately because they're not together. Right. They're not, the shots and they're not sitting together anymore. That's not, that's not happening. They should have had Larry Bird, Magic, Michael. Just make it a complete zoo. <laughs> have the legends of the Bill Russell. Hey, I didn't shoot any threes, but you know what the heck? Well, he I'm a legend. Got, he would have gone Mickey Mantle with the 40-40 if I'd have known that was a thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on. I, I just thought it was overblown. As opposed to whoever catches Abdul, if in fact he does, that'd be awesome. Rondo Felberg, former BYU Athletic Director, joins us next to talk about the changes in the program as they move to the Big 12. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Rondo Felberg, former BYU Athletic Director. He joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain's state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial properties, water costs, or you can call 877-346-3333. Rondo, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. I'm curious, Rondo, with all the news coming out of BYU and with what they must be paying Kalani and they must be paying all the assistants with the money that they've sunk into facilities and the recruiting budget and analysts and on down the line, if you rolled all those numbers into a ball and then could go into a room and in his old office tell Lavelle Edwards what BYU is spending on football now, what would the reaction be? Oh, they, they wouldn't believe it. I mean, in fact, it would be it would be the kind of thing where they I would lose all my credibility with Lavelle because he just would not believe it. <laughs> um, I mean, when you go back, uh, this is not that long ago for some folks. For the younger folks, yeah, it probably is two generations ago. But um, there used to be a, a rule. I don't know who established the rule that nobody could be paid more than the president of the university. So that first national championship that when Lavelle won it in 1984, Cougar Club got together and gifted him a brand new Cadillac Seville with a big bow on top. (laughs) A week later, poor Lavelle had to give it back because the value of that Seville meant he would be making more than the president of the university, and he had to give it back. That's how things have changed here. I remember when Miami, University of Miami, came to Lavelle. He gave me a call. I said, yeah, can you come talk for a minute, Rondo? Uh, sure. So I came up, and he said, I need you to look at this. And I look at it, and of course, Miami, this is at a time when, I mean, well-paid coaches are making 150, maybe 200 grand um, in the big programs. That's kind of where it was at the time. Miami is offering Lavelle, University of Miami is offering Lavelle a package north of a million dollars. It's unbelievable. And he said, I said, well, Lavelle, if you're asking me, should you take it? Uh, only you can answer that. Break my heart, but quite frankly, you need to think your family. He said, "Oh no, Rondo, I'm never going to touch that. I just want you to know: Are they stealing this money? Where's this <laughs> money coming from? How are they doing this?" <laughs> yeah, 
Times certainly have changed. We recently had uh, the passing of one of the great BYU boosters of all time, beloved Cy Kimball. Cy came to me, and he wasn't the only one, but Cy was one of the more consistent ones and said, Rondo, you do what you have to do, and I just want you to know we'll take care of it. There's not a number that will scare us. You take care of it. And and he was very consistent over the years. BYU has had wonderful, wonderful friends and donors who would be much more generous than they've been allowed to be. Yeah, that's for sure. That's the fact right there, yeah, than they're allowed to be. I get that all the time, Rondo. Can't this guy, that guy, and we know some of the names, particularly here, what's happened in the last year plus. Oh, yeah. Saying, I mean, it's not them. It's people above them. And, there's, there's, there's just no question. Uh, uh, this Big 12 thing is, is going to be a game changer for us because it will change the entire landscape of our giving and of Cougar Club. But I'm, I have no concerns for us at all. What my concerns are is how we'll manage it within the context of the culture that we have around us. Go into a little more depth on that. <laughs> well, um, I, I, I probably would have to have a couple of interviews before I went into too much depth. <laughs> <with> that. <laughs> okay, that's but providing some depth me, right there. Let me, let me just say that we've, we've got lots of young guns on silicone slopes who just can't wait <laughs> to show off their moxie. And they would be, um, the, the competition of it would be something they would relish. Mm. Um, that, that is not going to be a problem. And then you've got a number of the, uh, should we say, more seasoned, even gray-haired guns, who've been frustrated over the years uh, that they weren't able to do more. Um, uh, and 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 that they felt that there were some limitations. Now, let me just say, BYU and the church will always take their money. That's not a problem. It's just that they want to be able to have some voice in directing where that money goes, and that's where we're very different than most of the other uh, folks around, because we have... Um, uh, we have very clear guidelines. Some might call them rules, uh, but I'd, I'd prefer to call them guidelines with respect uh, to giving. And w- your job is to talk it over with your wife, your family, the, the people who matter to you, and then decide what the proper gift is. Make the gift, and that's the last say or influence you have on that money. Um, that's the way it happens here. That's not the way it happens in a lot of places. So what you're saying is you can't designate where the money's going? No. Now, there's, there, there are some notable exceptions. Um, uh, we have um, uh, the Miller family. Built the ballparks. Uh, yeah, and, and that was actually um, Cy Kimball and Larry Miller. And and Cy, this is this is a tribute to to the Kimball family because Cy said that he was more than happy 
to have the Miller name go on that ballpark uh, rather than his name. But he had already uh, he he'd put seven figures there and just left it um, so that uh, whenever the time came, yeah. um, it would be uh, a done deal. And Larry just said, finish it off and just tell me what the number is. Yeah. Larry and Gail were wonderful with that. I wanted to ask you about the influence of Tom Homo and how much credit or recognition or whatever you want to say he deserves in getting all this stuff done, all the stuff that he's been able to do over the last decade and a half. Oh, it is not possible to overstate what he has done. Um, what you need at BYU and what is unique about Tom is you need somebody who doesn't need the spotlight and quite happy not to have the spotlight. That's the perfect personality. That's Tom. But is the sort of the steady hand, the, 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 the sort of guy who's willing to stay in the background and yet has extraordinary relationships connections everywhere, both laterally and vertically. He has the connections. He's so respected by his peers across the nation. Um, Everybody likes Tom Homo. It's very, very hard to find anybody in sport that you cannot find somebody very quickly who's willing to criticize him or trash him. And Tom is one of the very few exceptions. You can't find anybody critical of Tom Homo. In fact, the criticism that gets leveled at Tom is that nobody's that nice. Nobody's that calm. Nobody's that stable. Uh, it's it's got to be a game. It can't be real. That's the criticism. Uh, Tom has been marvelous. You know the, the 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 story of Tom, don't you? Of how he got here? Yeah, because I was going to ask you about that. That you know, a lot of times ads are just old football coaches, the good old boy network. But I believe you had told me years ago that Tom had targeted uh, way back when the desire to oh, be yeah. in an athletic administration. Well, not just athletic administration. Um, I thought I was going to be the AD who was going to ultimately replace Lavelle. And so in usual Rondo fashion, I prepared a, a, a short list. And then I quietly went and visited every single one of those coaches that were on. I whittled it down uh, to about a dozen. And then I narrowed that down to four or five Um and I went and visited every one of them, watched them coaching practices, watched them in games, stayed in their homes, literally stayed in their homes uh, so that I knew what we were going to have or potentially have. And I stayed in Tom and Laurie's home. Well, he was at that time the defensive backs coach for the 49ers. And uh, I stayed a weekend with him, uh, watched him in Saturday practice, went to church with him, did the whole deal, and then was on the sidelines with him for their Monday night game. And uh, I was so impressed with with um, both his de- demeanor and his, I mean, he was, the guy 
the guy looks like he's very calm and like he's almost passive. But, oh, my goodness, when it comes to football and when it comes to coaching, I mean, he was intense and focused. I was, I was so surprised and so impressed. So, anyway, uh, I, I tell him, okay, Tom, you know, it, you know, is this something that you're interested in, something you want? And he goes, oh, Rondo, he said, I don't want Lavelle's job. You don't? He said, no. I mean, he was just as deadpan and sober as he, no, I don't want Lavelle's job. Really? No, I want your job. <laughs> what? He says, yeah. He says, that's what I want. I want your job. And so he and I agreed right there that if we hired him to replace Lavelle, I would give him a five-year deal. And at the end of that five years, he had the absolute right at his choice. If he was, if he was our coach for five years, he had the absolute right to come onto my staff as senior associate athletic director, the number two guy. Now that meant I had to have Pete Whitback and Val Hale both agree to that, which they did, um, in order to get Tom. And so that was a done deal. So Tom had already planned if if we hired him to replace Lavelle um, uh, to come into administration. So, yeah, he he's right where he wanted to be. Right. And that's another reason, I think, for his longevity. I mean, he, he's in the job he wanted. He's in this. This was his ultimate destination. Former BYU Athletic Director Rondo Felberg joined us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. You famously lived in Houston and uh, parked on a bridge somewhere to uh, pick up games on the radio <laughs> pre-internet. <laughs> and so I want to draw on that Texas experience because Oklahoma and Texas have been the big dogs and driven the league. You know, lately everybody's been trying to keep up oh, with yeah. Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma. Well, Oklahoma's going to the SEC and Lincoln Riley's gone to USC. And Oklahoma and Texas are going to be out. Oklahoma State uh, had a booster, T. Boone Pickens, who underwrote uh, just a tre- I mean, they made tremendous advances on his checkbook at Oklahoma State. The, the stadium's oh, yeah. probably the biggest thing, but it's not the only thing. But he passed away a couple years ago. I expect this league is going to be competitive and driven, but who do you think drives the league? As much as everything's exploded in the last five or ten years, how much does it explode in another five or ten? Because BYU's made big strides here. They had a big press conference to say, hey, we're going to keep up. We're going to be competitive. We're investing across the board. we got our eyes on the prize. And Tom said, if we need to adapt, we'll adapt. Who drives it? How much does this change and accelerate in the five or ten years going forward? Oh, I think the influence of that um, Southwest, that old Southwest Coast Triangle or Southwest Conference Triangle will continue. That's really where it is. So we're talking Texas Tech, and um, uh, I, I think the University of Houston will now Baylor. have a chance for their own renaissance. Baylor, uh, all, all of those schools who have chafed mightily uh, under the huge shadow cast by OU and, and, and Texas. In Texas, that's a really big deal. And, and it's not a bad thing to have them be in, in different conferences. Uh, I, you know, I think, 
I think people kind of know what the SEC has become. It's sort of morphed into its own pro league. And and I think people, there are some people for whom that is just exactly what they wanted. There are others for whom that's just a little bit offensive. And, and I think that if Houston and Tech and Baylor and Oklahoma State play it right uh, down there, they will – earn back some of the fans and some of the loyalty that traditionally had gone to Texas and OU. Um, that's what I'm watching for. Would you say, Rondo, that BYU, not not the athletic department, and maybe not even the administration currently on campus, but those above them had to look at things a little differently to get to this point where BYU can make that unprecedented contract announcement and commitment to the athletic program and the football program in particular? Um, uh, well, we're talking about different measures. Um, BYU had an extraordinary year in 1984 um, all of your fans and listeners can go take a look at uh, convert baptism statistics in North America in 1985. Uh, we had an extraordinary year in 1996. Um, the, go check the convert baptism statistics in 1997. The brethren get it. They understand <laughs> The, the more positive visibility that BYU has, the easier it is when missionaries knock on doors for them to be able to go in and be invited in, and then they do their thing. After that, it doesn't matter once they're through the door because they are such extraordinary ambassadors for goodness and for the church. But we have to get through the doors. And the brethren have seen the the numbers, uh, and they know what it takes. How long do you think it'll take to win a uh, Big 12 Conference title? Because you have done it in 11 years, and you know the rivalry Four and all things. Four months. <laughs> See? That would be great. Make Way a big splash. Go, <laughs> Cannonball well, into think... the deep end of the Big 12 pool. I don't think there's any question that we are probably more ready competitively than Utah was when they came into the Pac-12. I mean, I, I was visiting with Kyle the other night and, and, and t- talking about those kinds of things. Uh, the, the fact is that, that it does take time to upgrade your, your talent pool, your facilities, your, you know, your just the way you think about yourselves and the way you carry yourself, and therefore are able to compete. It does take time, but BYU has managed to go quite a distance in that direction all by itself. So I don't expect it to take as long. How long do is it going to take? Um, if Jacob Conover morphs into <laughs> Zach Wilson like everybody thinks he might. And if the other two guys push him as, as, uh, as, as good as Romney pushed Zach and on and on, and Jaron Hall pushed 
Zach, if, if, if we have that kind of dynamic, um, it'll happen pretty soon. We'll leave it right there, Rondo. We appreciate it. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll all watch this transition. We're looking forward to it. All right, gentlemen. Have a Merry Christmas. You too. Rondo Felberg, former BYU athletic director, joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show, we will get you up to speed next. Jazz and the Clippers tonight, looking ahead to bowl games. we got the question of the day. We'll get it all for you next. It's official. The youths are the 2021 Pac-12 champs and are heading to the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. What better way for the youths to make their inaugural trip to the Rose Bowl than a battle against Ohio? Ohio State. Keep it locked on the Zone Sports Network as we get you ready for the Utes' historic trip to Pasadena. Your home for the best coverage of the Utes in the Rose Bowl is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. 9 a.m. Slacker Radio Headlines are brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Lee's Heating and Air, home to the award-winning line of American Standard Furnaces and Air Conditioners. Call Lee's now for the $59 furnace tune-up. They got a special $59 furnace tune-up special, or visit them online at leesheatac.com. And by the way, it was Dustin from Lees who came out and fixed our furnace in like a minute. A minute. 60 seconds. Done. Came in, cleared one thing. (laughs) Dustin the win, then. Yeah, exactly. Dustin made it happen. Shout out to Dustin. All right, DJ and PK, Dustin wants to talk about the Jazz. Whenever Dustin is out, he always wants to talk about the Jazz. So, we got uh, tickets to give away. Yach, you want to do that now? We got a pair of tickets for tonight's game, yep. Jazz and Clippers, 8 p.m. tip-off. It's an hour later than normal because of ESPN. So, if you want to go to the game tonight at 8 against the Clippers, be caller 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-ZONE. Jazz and Clippers tonight. Jazz are going for the eighth straight win. Paul George is questionable. Nick Batum is questionable. Batum has an ankle Ooh, issue. Nicky Batum? Yeah. Paul George has an elbow issue. Serge Ibaka is in health and safety protocols. For three years. <laughs> When's the last time he played? Jeez. Seems like he's always out. The Oklahoma City or Toronto. <laughs> So your goal is to see the Jazz pick up where they left off. Don't lose your mojo just because you didn't play for three days, going on four now. So that's uh, that's a long break. It's a mini all-star break. It is, but they've had a couple of them, and they're a veteran team, and so that's only going to benefit those guys. I mean, Mitchell can go all day. He's a young pup. Uh, But you've got uh, a significant part of the rotation over 30. So, uh, yeah, I I want them to reestablish home court dominance. They've been excellent out on the road. Find a way to teams that you're supposed to beat that are the game is not in question on paper going into the game. Take care of biz. That is the difference right now in the standings. Yeah. The Jazz, the Suns, and the Warriors all have three road losses. But the Warriors and the Suns have only been beaten twice at home, and the Jazz have dropped four games. And there's the difference, the two games in the loss column right yeah, there. So go ahead and take care of these teams. You do it at a high level, you know? Do it 90%. You're not going to do it all the time. And this is NBA. You could be off in a shot and somebody can be hot. It happens. Some role player can, you know, we'll, we'll go to our uh, grave with uh, visions of uh, Terrence Mann. And so tip your hat to Terrence Mann because that's the best game he'll ever have. <laughs> and that, 
great. You know, that, that can happen. So I don't expect you to win every one. But especially now, since you struggled in your last homestand, go ahead and kick some butt now. Keep it going, man. Clippers have won four in a row, and they've won five of the last seven, and the two losses in there are both to the Sacramento Kings. So go figure. You never know. Well, that's the NBA. That's what I'm talking about. And I'm, I'd have to check. Paul George might have been out also. I'd have to check on Clippers that. are looking towards postseason. They're not looking yeah. towards now. They're, they don't have their guns. They don't have all their guys that they need to have, right? So with that in mind, you can especially, see where it's going to take a bit. Yeah, especially Kawhi. And you got what? You got one, two, three, four, five, six home games in a row? Yeah, between now and Christmas, six straight at home. Wow. Yeah. That's But the last time we talked about that, they lost. I know. And the home so stretch before that, they lost. Yeah, it's not like they've had a 6 and a home stand here. No, but let's have one now. That would be good. Start, well, of course, that runs it to, what, 13? Yeah. Start playing the odds on that one. The law of numbers starts getting to you <laughs> when you start getting winning streaks in the teens. You know, there's a, that doesn't happen very often. And that's why Quinn Snyder doesn't like to talk about this stuff. He just likes to talk about going out tonight, playing the right way, play the way you should, make the reads you have to make, make the adjustments you need to make, play with the energy you need, and then everything else takes care of itself because you're talented, and talent wins in this league most of the time. So, it does over the long haul, So especially. just don't come out and, you know, if you come out with your B-minus game, then you open yourself up to getting beat by a lot of teams. But if you don't, if you come out and do what you're supposed to do, play the way you know you can. And keep this going with Cam Rising. <laughs> I gave him a look right now. Drop the jaw, gave him a look like, please explain. And I will. Before Rudy Gay, after Rudy Gay. 10-2 and two with Rudy Gay. Before Cam Rising. After Kim Rising. One and two when he didn't start. Nine and one when he did. And Rudy's ten and two with that uh, funky loss to the Pelicans. You'd take ten and two most every 12-game stretch, wouldn't you? Ten and two from now until the end of the season. Who would sign off on that? Just keep piling up uh, every 12 games, win ten of them? Yeah. So I, and, I, and I think there's a difference with Gay. I mean, it's not, not to the level of Cam Rising because he's a quarterback. But the point being, and, and knock on wood, they've had great health and great protocol health. If you did that all year, that 10 out of 12, you would be 65 and 13 with four games left in the season, and you would be resting everybody for the playoffs because you'd have the one seed locked up. Hmm? Yeah, it's for a pretty sure. good clip. Yeah, did you hear A-Rod on with Scotty and Hans did drop the line? Well, they didn't have Cam Rising. Nice. Did you hear him say that? No, I did. He not. did. <laughs> he can be a little bitter and sarcastic. My kind of guy. <laughs> did you hear that, Yon? You taught him everything he knows. <laughs> he did drop that. That's an absolute classic. Well, we didn't have, they didn't have uh, Cam Rising, and he literally paused for effect, and it was perfect. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Meaning, like, oh, yeah, they would have beat us. Yeah, I said, shut up. <laughs> yeah. And Kyle, after the game, they won the, they won the line of scrimmage, both sides of the ball, got pushed around, got dominated. So they did, yeah. I mean, as their own, their coach's mouth said that, and then who knows if they would have played whatever. But they don't play because you, it's funny. That's the classic BYU thing. Well, if we would have got you then, but it's never. Well, if BYU would have got you, it's like they're always battling uphill on that stuff. Nobody ever wants to talk about when when they get a break. It's always, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. always on RSU. Yeah, well, we didn't have so and so there. Yeah, you know. 
And this year, playing the Pac-12 was just littered with, well, they didn't, oh, they they didn't the, have their quarterback. They, they didn't the, have their All coach. those bogus targeting calls the uh, Cougars had to deal with at Rice-Eccles. Pac-12 refs. <laughs> <laughs> okay, to be fair, there's only about 60 Pac-12 coaches who've said that over the last decade. Right, but when it goes against you, it's yeah. then you complain. Yeah. If it goes for you, they did a great job. Oklahoma coaches one day up at Oregon, they're pretty happy with the refs. <laughs> this goes on and on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just don't don't say Pac-12 refs in basketball because there's no such thing. They're no, a, those guys cash a Pac-12 paycheck on a, place, yeah. one night and a Mountain West on another, and a whack. It's, where can you get a West game? West Coast Conference, wherever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're somewhat they're they're regional though. The Western Consortium yeah, yeah. of Officials. But at the same time, I I have talked to many, not so much anymore because I don't travel in basketball. But back in the day when I did for almost two decades. Many conversations with refs in hotels and elevators and restaurants because they stay at the same places Mm -hmm. and then they're bouncing around and then you see them. They're ringing up the Marriott points just like you were. Yeah, I was once at uh, the Arena Auditorium in uh, Laramie, Wyoming, and it was an afternoon game and I had like an 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock flight at Denver International. I said to Moose Stubing before the game, I said, Moose, I need your help. He said, what? He was the old Angels third base coach who was a famous referee in the in the whack, And uh, I said, I, I got a flight, man. I need this to be a quick game because I got to get to Denver in time. He says, what time's your flight? And I told him, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Moose was a legend in Santa Barbara. He was a legend everywhere. He really was. Yeah. He really was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gave Larry Johnson his fifth foul, got him out of the game. <laughs> and the Gauchos beat the Rebels. All right, so we talked a little basketball. Uh, Steph Curry set the record for most three-pointers made in an NBA career. Passes Ray Allen, but it feels like a 10- or 15-year-old record, not a 75-year-old record. But nonetheless, they stopped the game. And You know what it feels like? Show. It feels a little Barry Bonds-ish passing Hank Aaron. Not, it's not really what it's cracked up to be. Whereas Hank Aaron passing Babe Ruth felt like, man, that was something. That was something for the ages. And for some reason, I, I can see that home run that he hit. But I can't remember the one Bonds hit for the life of me. For the life of me, I cannot. <laughs> and one and is I so much more recent. I didn't recent. care, and I knew it's like, oh, whatever, it's the steroid era, and everybody's hitting a bazillion home runs, yeah. so what? Whereas Hank Aaron, I felt like I was well, right there in the first row. someone tells you, hey, four guys have hit 60 home runs this year. You're yeah. like, okay, what are we doing here? Yeah, and it's not quite, because he had to make the buckets. <clears throat> But it's just it's a new record, and so it's just going to be different. The game's changed until we get like I'd say another ten, fifteen years out. It's always going to be well if you had shot the three, how much more could you have made? Because like Ray Allen, when did he start shooting the three? Mm -hmm. I mean, I can look it up for you and see. Because he, but you know, when Donovan Mitchell's done, well, he will have shot. The guys coming in now, they're shooting threes all the time. If you ever want to look at the advent of the three, go look at Brooke Lopez's stats. Yeah, just for night it's and day. It's unbelievable. How many did you shoot this year? Zero. No, I mean, seriously, they'll give me the number. Yeah. yeah. No, the number was zero. Yeah. Zero. Right. And then go look at it. He's injured now, but go look at his most recent full season. It's startling 
the number. I, you'll never have a, as much of a variance in a player as Brooke Lopez, who took no threes early on in his uh, NBA career, and now with the Bucks is jacking them up left and right. So Ray Allen actually came in shooting quite a bit of threes, but it still changed. His first year, he took 298, almost 300 three-pointers. Okay, what's that average to a game? Three? Uh, he played 82 games. So, yeah, three and a half. That's still poultry. I agree. I agree. Uh, and then at his peak, in 30 years old, in Seattle... That tells you how old this is. There was a team in Seattle. In 2006, he shot 653 three-pointers. By the end of his career, and of course his minutes per night are dropping, he's back down to shooting 309. And then you look at what Steph Curry has done. This is hilarious. He shot 380 his first year as a rookie in 2010. Mm-hmm. And the first year, the rookie year for... Uh, for Ray Allen had been the 96-97 season. He was a rookie when the Jazz were going to the finals first time. So Steph Curry comes in 13 years later, shoots 380, then 342, then 121. He remember he had ankle issues, he had surgery, he only played like 26 games that year. And then when he comes back, they have fully committed to the three. He takes 600 of them, then 615, 646. Then they double down, he takes 886 three-pointers. I believe it. 886 threes. So even he doesn't get the full benefit. Ray Allen only had two years in his career that he took 886 shots. No, he had three, I think. It's just so rare. So yes, Steph Curry doubling down. 886, well, you're basically taking 10 a game. That 10 a game would be 820. So he's taking 10 and a half three-pointers per night. Doesn't surprise me at all. In fact, when he goes and three nothing, of fifteen, that's what surprised right. me. Right, he shot. Four, he took eight hundred eighty-six, but they were quality shots. He made forty-five and a half percent of them. But you shoot forty-five and a half percent from three. You have a green light. Yeah, for sure. There's only but five guys per year who it really can is shoot amazing that to see. Yeah, how quickly he can just he could be going left, he can go on right, then step back, then move here, and then boom, back on balance, yeah. perfect form, yeah. great balance, and no fatigue. I mean, you look at him in the fourth quarter of a game and other guys are sweating like crazy, and he's not. I read a thing about how he lowers his heart rate during timeouts intentionally. It's crazy. All right, DJ and PK, a lot of basketball today, a little bit of football. Actually, the thing that broke during the uh, show, um, Baker Mayfield, Browns quarterback, uh, positive COVID test safety protocols, but if he tests negative twice, then he can play. So he's a definite maybe for this week's Maybe game. Coach got it too. But the there fans, are the there fancy. are people saying, yeah. But you brought up the Rams. Well, they had a bunch of false positives. They're missing game, guys. Now they won the game anyway, but they were missing guys, and guys are right back out of practice. And so it's being floated out there this morning that they need to change the rules. If you get vaccinated and get the booster, then you just you shouldn't be tested. At that point, the safety level is so high, your odds of getting it or passing it on are so low, just stop with the test. And that, that would incentivize players to go ahead and get it. And would also eliminate guys missing games with well, false positives. I thought they were in the high 90s of, of uh, vaccination rate anyway. I don't know what the number is. They said it was 97 last yeah. time. Yeah, that would be high 90s. Alvin Gentry, yeah. um, she came out, Kings interim coach, he is out tonight due to health and safety protocols as well. So it's all over the league. False positive. I've never once been false positive. 
<laughs> when you when you have positivity, it's real. Yeah, yeah. And you don't the have the rare occasion. Yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK. When we come back, your feedback. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Well, there's double chocolate, peanut butter brownie, cherry barcia, or salted caramel. Enjoy a Built Bar. 100% real chocolate, 100% real delicious. Order yours today at Built.com and save 10% off your order. Using the promo code ZONE at checkout. That's Built Bar. They actually have two new holiday flavors at Built Bar. Eggnog and gingerbread. Really? Yep, just launched them. Right on. It's time for your feedback. A lot of people weighing in. A lot of people went in on would what would a win in the Independence Bowl mean for BYU? The world. Tricky T says back-to-back 11-win seasons for the first time since 06-07. Finishing in the AP Top 10 for the first time since 90, 1996. Become only the fourth BYU team in history to finish in the Top 10. Believe it or not, there's a lot writing on this I game. think there are. I agree with, I agree with what he, that guy says. Uh, I didn't know all the stats. It doesn't surprise me, but yeah. Uh, the only one that surprised me there is only four top ten teams. I would have thought with that run Lavelle had, they had more. But he had two, just the 83 team, then the 84 team is number one. And the Cotton Bowl team was top ten, and that's it. Lots of lots did you of know seasons. that off the top of your head? I didn't. I looked it up. I didn't know. Why did you look it up? Because I thought it was wrong, and I was curious, and I had nothing else to do last night. <laughs> <laughs> you saw it last night? Is that what you said? I saw the, yeah, the tweet came in uh, last night. Okay, gotcha. So I did all you do click. I mean, it was. I don't Google justify search. your behavior. Clip. You ask. I don't do it. You do it. You ask don't a question. I give you an answer. Everything. And then you go with justifying and defensive. All you do is ask a question. <laughs> it's this is wash, rinse, repeat. And you always get defensive. You're a nerd. Revel in the nerddom. I am a nerd. This is who I am. That's how he made me. We're playing Granite Hills. Make no apologies. We're playing Granite Hills High School. And uh, we're defending, and we're right in front of their bench. And I go over, and, and I, I see the pass come, and I almost picked it off, but it goes oh. off my hands out of bounds. I didn't know you played football. I, basketball. Oh. <laughs> and I pull up. I pull up right in front of the bench because the bench was really close to court. It was an old play, and there was very little room. And, uh, and somebody on the bench says, nice play, Point Dexter. <laughs> I turn and look at the bench and go, hey, who over there knows me? Coach bursts out laughing. Never heard a word from them again. That was nice. It. Thank you. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Comfortable with my lifelong nerddom. There's a drop for you, Yach. Feel free to use that one. Ten and two, number 13, B-U-A-B, at How About This Jazz, says... What's at stake? An 11-win season. You don't throw back 11-win seasons as far as I'm concerned. Nope. It's like 11 or 12 schools sitting on it right now. Join that group. That's an elite club. And pert near half of them against the Pac-12. Pac-12. And then really actually more than half against Power 5. If you throw in Virginia, that brings it to six. You're doing good math over there. Keep it coming. Did they beat any other Power 5s? Am I missing any? Because they lost no. to Baylor, right? Lost to Baylor, seven. they're 6-1. 6-1. Yeah. Yeah. The most Power 5 wins in program history against the most Power 5 teams they've played in program history. Yeah. In a single season. 
So they played seven, and that'll change in yes. uh, 23. You're playing at least eight at that point. Yeah, at some point, uh, well, they won seven I know, games. I'm, I'm just most saying. in school history. And I'm like, yeah, it's going to change. They had a different schedule in 84. They had a bunch of NFL guys. They probably would have beaten they, a bunch do of Do they have any uh, Pac-12s next year? They have Stanford Oregon. and Oregon. Okay. Yeah. I'd get them off the schedule. Both of them on the road. <laughs> you would get them off the schedule? Yeah, finish 5-0. and oh. Don't risk going going to. Let's buy them out. You're out. <laughs> and then go into your other schedule in 2023 where you're playing eight or maybe nine conference games. So their Power 5 opponents next year consist of Baylor, Oregon, Notre Dame, Arkansas, and then Stanford. Yeah, that's pretty good. And they got Boise and Utah State. Boise and Utah State on there, as well as the Liberty Flames and the USF Bulls. Liberty's oh, decent. Wyoming as well. Liberty's 7-5 or 8-4? And, and they five. got Brewer. Yeah, they did. They just Charlie, Charlie Brewer. Brewer. Transfer he in. can't escape BYU, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> and we were talking about that, uh, how I thought Heward would start at Washington, but the Indiana kid is transferring Michael there. Yeah. Penix. Yeah. And this musical chair stuff. <laughs> Can you keep up? <laughs> It reminds me of that. You Penix know, the first is going. Yeah, ten days of July, and you, you forget, yes. and then you, you, it comes at you in a flurry, and then you put basketball aside for a couple of months, and then you come back. Oh yeah, this yeah, guy yeah, they that, signed this dude. I do remember dude. talking about that. Yeah. yeah. So so Penix, Indiana to Washington seems like a weird move until you realize his coach mm-hmm. at Washington was his OC at Indiana. Well, and, it's the same thing with Rattler. That's yeah. why he goes to South Carolina. Right. There's always a connection. Well, yeah. not always, but a lot of times. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Jake and Ben are on the way right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.